Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Hello, folks, and thank you for once again coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the conservative conversation. And, well, we are now one week and one day after the midterm election, and counting is still going on. Uh, Folks want to talk about that tonight. Uh, We certainly can. We may have a report coming from Florida. Uh, If uh, one of our uh, past panelists, uh, Cindy Todd, uh, will be able to call in from there. Uh, I know Dr. Tolbert, who is also from Florida, uh, uh, said he'll be chiming in tonight. Uh, He won't be able to talk long, so once he gets in, we'll uh, get him into the show. And I do see uh, callers already uh, filing in and uh, seeing some. Uh, Push the one on your number dial. I will get you into the show, Uh, of course, as you know that. And so, of course, uh, we will be talking about, uh, now that the midterms are over, uh, what will happen to Trump's nationalist uh, populist agenda. At least that's what I call it, not just me, but other people, maybe not uh, framed exactly that way. But pretty much we know he's a nationalist and a populist, so national populist. Um, So what's going to happen now that the Democrats have, you know, taken over the House and will begin in January? I've got my own thoughts on, you know, how things are going to go. Uh, I think it's not just uh, that what I'm thinking is not uh, exclusive uh, to a lot of folks. But here's one thing that I've seen uh, around the corner. This is actually one that people uh, think I tried to uh, convince some of my, my friends at who share some of the same uh, uh, interests that I do. And this is one of my biggest fears. Uh, and I have an article here. Uh, from the Bard's Logic Political Talk website from the newsroom page where you can get uh, articles from all, you know from tonight and also other shows. Uh, so check that out at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and check out our uh, newsroom page there uh, with uh, different articles. Uh, but this one is Democrat Takeover of House Casts Doubt on Space Force Future. With the result of this week's midterms leading to the shakeup in the House Armed Services Committee, the future of President's space, uh, President Trump's proposed Space Force branch is looking increasingly uncertain. With the Democrats taking control of the House of Representatives, building on the majority in the Senate, <clears throat> the possibility of budgetary gridlock and military spending has become more likely. Uh, Space Force critic Representative Adam Smith. Oh, I hate that guy. I really do hate that guy. Hate's a strong word. So do I really? Hate? Yeah, yeah. I hate him. Uh, Democrat Washington, go figure, is set to replace current Representative Mac Thornberry, Republican Texas, as chairman of the AHASC, 
with other Democrats on the committee also opposing the creation of a new branch due to the budgetary concerns and the idea of a new layer of command. And of course, they'd rather spend our money uh, that we would otherwise be using for the protection of the United States. Uh, this is my commentary, and I'll get back to the article. But of course, they'd rather spend our money on people who are non-citizens, again, something we warn people here on the show about why not to vote for Democrats. But uh, America can be bipolar when it comes to politics uh, many times, and we've seen uh, – I'm not going to spend too much time pining about it uh, a lot. But anyway, back to the article, it says, I am opposed to President Trump's proposal for a space force, Smith said. In the step up to IUPI, I am concerned that his proposal would create additional costly military bureaucracy at a time when we have limited resources for defense. Yeah, because you're spending it on other places, you idiot. And critical domestic priorities, and I do not believe it is the best way to advance U.S. national security, even though there's other countries like our enemies like China and Russia who are doing things like that. They're militarizing space. But anyway… Smith said that he supports further emphasis on national security, space efforts, bullshit, despite its opposition to a separate branch, as opposed to the Air Force running most of the nation's space-based military assets. Uh, so space is an essential aspect of nearly everything we do today, and I am the first to argue for a renewed focus on its importance, Smith said. We must do a better job of dealing with space as a national security priority. Well, at least he's saying it. But let's see if they actually do something about it, and I think that getting rid of the Space Force is, of course, contradictory to what Mr. Smith uh, has to say. It says congressional critics have expressed re uh, reservations over the costs of additional bureaucracy a separate branch would entail with a separate headquarters cost of uh, projected $1 billion alone. <laughs> okay, our government, $1 billion is bitching. When we spend all that money on these damn people coming up uh, to invade our country, we'll be spending more – maybe not on just those people. They'll talk about what we spend per year on, on illegal immigrants, people who are not, again, non-citizens of this country. It says Vice President Mike Pence told the National Space Council in October that the Trump administration plans to have the Space Force established as a sixth branch of the military in 2020. The proposed funding for the branch will be presented in the 2019 budget proposal and the National Defense Authorization Act. We will forge a new era of peace through strength, you know, Ronald Reagan folks, in outer space. Pence said President Trump has stated forcefully a truth that the leaders of the National Defense University have long understood, that space is a warfighting domain just like the air. Land and sea in America will be just as dominant there as we are here on Earth. And remember, folks, just like uh, we, we, when we came the uh, you know kings of the air, so to speak, or that's not quite the term I wanted to use, but you know that's when you know we became uh, a world power, and plus when we took over you know pretty much land and air. But remember, uh, you know you go to the new domains, and remember when ships were first started being built, things of that nature. Warships, well, what that did for uh, you know England and so on and so forth. But anyway, we can go with history lessons later. Uh, there's still a widespread debate concerning how a space force 
would be organized and integrate the space capabilities of the other branches, particularly the Air Force. Secretary of the Air Force Heather Wilson has voiced concern over aspects of the Space Force proposed organization, but has said that she supports the idea in general. So let's go ahead and uh, bring in uh, our folks here. We've got uh, Kavika here uh, from Hawaii. Thank you very much, Kavika, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing better, actually. Uh, you know, first, uh, first and foremost, I you know, I want to send thoughts and prayers to the people of California. I really hope they get this uh, this fire under wraps. You know, losing 49 people, you know, that fire, that that is a travesty. It is the world's largest fire in uh, California history. But not to be bash here, but California, you voted big government, and now you'll get a big government. You didn't listen to the fire the firefighters. You didn't listen to the firefighters union. You didn't listen to the people who said, "Hey, we got to do tree trimming." You listened to the tree huggers, and you and you let Jerry Brown veto a bill that would have trimmed those trees and prevented a catastrophe like this. So you reap what you sow. I have you know I have no qualm. I have you know no problem saying that. You know, but other than that, I really hope people in California that they're safe. Now, uh, back, back with the Space Force thing, I am praying that we have a centrist Democrat, uh, you know, centrist Democrat uh, House to, you know, bring the Space Force because Space Force, it's more, you know, it's not like missiles and launchers and like a Star Wars fighting. This is more, uh, I guess you say, a duality of air and uh, cybersecurity, which I'm, uh, which should be taken very seriously because as we're seeing with the uh, Many uh, intel breaks from China, Russia, other countries as well. So I really hope that we we have a, a centrist uh, Democrat party in there. If not, we're going to be in some serious trouble. A billion dollars is a drop in the bucket. Like I've screamed in the, on this program before, we spend $135 billion a year on those parasites who invade our country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my, you know, my point as well. Is, is that you know we're talking about national security? You have other nations such as you know China and Russia, and you know in India they're not really. A, you know, I'm not saying India is a um, an enemy of ours, but and but you have those other nations that are certainly uh, not only you know exploring more space, but they're also building up their space capabilities and they are militarizing it. I mean they are looking for weapons, and I know SDI was uh, you know ended up being a ruse. You know, by Reagan, you know, uh, against the Russians. But yeah, I think that's something Trump really would like to revisit: is to have, you know, a, a space shield, basically. You know, because you do, especially now you got Kim and Jong Un. Now they're, well, that's not something we'll talk about tonight, unless people want to really bring it up. But they're talking about, oh well, he might be having these bases, uh, you know, behind her back. You know, Trump, I've I seen somewhere. I didn't dig into it, so I could be wrong. Uh, I was digging and saying it was fake news that you know they're. You know they're widening their uh, the nuclear space program. They really haven't stopped it. Um, I mean, I know they haven't had any more missiles <laughs> launching tests. You know since uh, mm-hmm. you know since the summit. Uh, but anyway, that that that's a topic maybe for later a different night. But I mean, but the other countries are doing it. And you know, if we're going to be you know the premier dominant, you know, have premier dominance in space, we're going to have to be on the forefront of it before anyone else does. And that just doesn't have to do with the space force. I, you know, I'll take it one further and say that's just going to be with the, you know, with the space program period, getting back to the moon, getting back to Mars. But you know, now, as I said, what's going to happen to Trump's national agenda, uh, populist agenda, and what are we going to see, you know, 
after the midterms are over, or what's next is what my original title is going to be. What's next is it's starting to, as you can see, kind of pan out that it's going to be all these investigations. They've got like what they call it, like um, an investigation canon of like 85 things that they're going to investigate that Trump what's put out there. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's how we're going to be spending the next two years. I mean, for them to say, you know, they're going to try to find common ground, I, I just don't see any of that. Oh, they're not going to find any common ground. And it's funny you're talking about this because I read a great article on uh, Fox News about, you know, Democrats, they're going to be overplaying their hand. And if Pelosi goes back to centrist ideology, we'll do quite, we'll do quite fine. Even though when I was a Democrat, I couldn't stand Nancy Pelosi. I never, I just, there's just something about her. There's something genetic quash she gives off. I'm just like, I don't like you. And I probably won't even like you as a person either. But uh, enough about that. We are already seeing the division in the Democrat Party right now. I mean, Ocasio-Cortez has the audacity to speak to oh, one yeah. of the most senior members of the Democrat Party and say, we demand climate justice. I'm going to tell you people here who are listening on the left and right, quit listening to the socialists. They do not know how to run government. They know how to spend your money. And speaking of, the girl says, I don't have $15,000. I don't have any money to, to, to buy an apartment in D.C. I, I need help. Go fund me. And then it turns out she has 15000 to 15000 to 50000 in her bank account. I think she needs to visit uh, Kwame Johnson in federal prison and find out what happens when you lie about your accounts and you lie about fraud. What do you think about that? <laughs> Well, I didn't hear anything about that, but it doesn't surprise me. And, and the one thing, you know, I've, I've heard on is what you're talking about with the split of the Democrat Party. And even if there are centrists, and I don't even know if Nancy Pelosi is a centrist, or maybe she's as central as you can get for a Democrat these days. Yeah, um, but yeah. yeah, she's not. I mean, I think the the, the Looney Tune uh, liberal, not even liberal, socialist left. Such as Cortez, you're talking about, and the four, there's these three other women that were they were talking about. I, I can't recall their names, um, but they're all you know far left socialists. You know, I say you know, um, and then they're they're not going to let the party. They are not going to allow the party uh, to move to the center. I just don't. I just don't see that happening. And I should have wrote down their names when I was watching uh, Laura Ingram last night, but. Her name, um, is, her name is Imam. She married her brother, and the, and the second one is a Palestinian named uh, Tilaib or something like that. And already they're spewing the, uh, they, they're anti, or they're anti beating Israel, the oh, yeah. and, uh, and anti-Semitic. Uh, Newsflash, ladies, Southern Florida and a lot of those era, there's a lot of conservative Jewish people, or a lot of centrist Jewish people, and they'll be gladly to make sure you don't get reelected or make sure Democrats hold any power. So well, let's I'm, I'll give you a heads uh, up. Let's hope so. <laughs> now, I know some, you know, so as, you, as you mentioned, Kavika, and is that we will get you in, is that, you know, I mean, they might overplay their hand and then just end up handing, uh, you know, Trump the, you know, the presidency again in 2020. We'll see. But I'm still, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm still, I'm not shocked, but I know and a part of me is shocked still, uh, and, but but super disappointed in, in the places that I voted for you know, you know, uh, for the Democrats, especially those, and there were some, and I had, you know, I had, I had my list, but, um, you know, some of those uh, d districts that voted for Trump, and then they flipped, uh, like, uh, well, of course, but but if you think about it, I mean, think of the state, the ones that did flip, and I don't, this ain't exclusive, uh, but look, look at where they flipped, uh, Virginia flipped, which, you know, kind of, 
you know, that that was from Trump. It doesn't end up for a Democrat. Um, and then you had uh, New York, so that doesn't surprise. You know, District, in, uh, District 19, they are 22, they flipped. Uh, they voted for Trump mm-hmm. in uh, the presidency. And then you had uh, you know, Michigan. Uh, that, that hurt, I think. Michigan 11 flipped. Um, then you had Minnesota flipped. Um, you know, so those are some of the uh, – and Iowa, that's the one that shocked the hell out of me the most. Iowa, Iowa 3 flipped from Trump. To uh, to the Democrat, uh, that that's the one that shocked me the most. But you know, because me, of that, okay, they made gain. I was gonna say, let me interject right quick. Every one of those counties and stuff you just mentioned, just uh, you mentioned, okay. Same thing with Cinema winning her Senate race in Arizona, and I've already called uh, the off, uh, Congresswoman McSally twice and said, demand an investigation. The AG of the state and the Secretary of State, if they do not do their jobs, then get the attention of the the president and allow federal authorities to go in there to recount. How the living hell does Maricopa County give a Republican three hundred and twenty eight? Thousand more votes than their opponent, but yet you're going to have Cinema, who's a leftist. Okay, she's trying to say, "Oh, I'm a moderate," you know. Went over by thirty. What was it by thirty-three thousand votes that automatically just came in? All right, it, this is a, this is what the Democrats do. They always pull this. Oh, these ballots weren't counted. They they weren't. They they're they're, they're not counted right now. Uh, if, if we use a provisional ballot, or use Al Sharpton, you say, "Oh, demand an investigation because I know they were using racial things. They did not allow black people to vote." And I'm sick of it. And every one of those counties, I want you to look that up. You're saying New York. Can you guess what kind of uh, parasite that has made their way over there to New York? Yeah, they're called El Salvador, illegal El Salvadorians. They've they've made their home in New York. Same thing in Iowa. Same thing in all these uh, these counties. This is what the Democrats do. They can't they they can't even lose gracefully. They always have to. They you know they use the stone thing. It's not who are not. It's not how many votes we get. It matters who counts the votes. And I'm sick of this crap already. When Republicans lose, they lose with grace and style. Well, I'll get, you know, we have to give that to Republicans. But when Democrats lose, it's always something. It's someone else's fault. And look what's going on in Georgia, Florida. And I demand a recount in Arizona because something's not adding up. Am I right or am I just going um, – I ain't saying. Well, and then you're, you're saying – I think it was even in Florida where um, they got uh, – you know, they just found a box. You know, they found a box like ninety-five thousand uh, uh, ballots or something like that. Well, here's another, and then I'll, I'll bring uh, I'll bring you in see that. But I got another uh, article here. Um, now we'll, we'll see. It's I just I haven't had a chance to pre-read this, but it's still interesting. You can find it, uh, of course, on the uh, the website. You can find the link to it at least uh, on the Bard's Logic Folk Talk website in the newsroom. It says. Uh, what in the world? And my dad says that all the time. It's probably what <laughs> uh, draw me to this article. What in the world? Democrats in Florida reportedly want non-citizens vote to count. Well, we'll see. What does this say? It says uh, the elections in Florida have shaped up to be a real mess. At each passing day, more uncertainty and more controversy seems to brew. Broward County, which never seems to get their shit straight. That ain't what the article said. That's what I said. And Palm Beach County have uh, been the focus of what Republicans are claiming. Yeah, I think this might be uh, how how this. <clears throat> well, we'll see. I don't know if this is a. We'll, we'll see how it up. Says um, of what Republicans are claiming is voter fraud and attempt to steal the election. The latest turnout of events may just have spun the entire election on its head. And according to this article, says so here's the facts: nearly ninety thousand votes have been added. 
after voting closed on Tuesday evening, and most of them went to help Democrat candidates. Republican Senator candidate Rick Scott held a 57,000-vote lead on Tuesday. Now he leads by less than 15,000 votes. Broward County Election Supervisor Brenda Snipes has a history of illegally affecting voter tallies. Snipes' offices had reportedly missed bad provision ballots with good ones. And the latest, lawyers for Democrat candidates Bill Nesslin and Andrew Gollum, who is competing against Republican Ron DeSantos for the governorship, reportedly want the vote of a non-citizen to count. And we've all heard about that one. It says mm-hmm. as big pack, and they want to they're doing that uh, to set a precedent. People are like, "Oh, it's one vote, it's one vote." Yeah, but you let one, then you're setting a precedent to let others. But anyway, it says uh, as big pack reviews reports, attorneys for Senator-elect Rick Scott, the National Republican Senate Committee, and the Republican Party of Palm Beach County descended on the county's supervisor of elections office on Friday night to oversee the vote counting that could decide the outcome of key Florida races. Understandably, representatives from both parties wish to be present uh, to make sure the outcome of the election is legitimate. That's when things took a bizarre turn. Uh, During vote counting in Palm Beach County, a vote was rejected because the person who cast it was not a U.S. citizen. Clear call on this one, right? Wrong. Attorneys representing Nelson and Gillum actually objected to discarding the vote, signaling they wanted it to count. From the report, among the crowd of dedicated observers who remained past midnight was Michael Barnett, the chairman of the Palm Beach County Republican Party. Barnett sent this pack review part of the transcript from the proceedings showing attorneys for both Gillum and Nelson objecting to toss out a non-citizen vote. Susan Busher, the election supervisor of Palm Beach County, rightfully called the ballot as not counted, but without objection by both Gillum and Nelson's attorneys. Uh, as uh, the 538 reports, both p- political parties have initiated lawsuits over the uh, senatorial elections. Um, and the, uh, the article continues to go on. But let's go ahead and get uh, – of course, we'll keep your mic up, uh, Kavika. But let's go ahead and get Suzette mm-hmm. in and get her comments. Thank you very much, uh, Suzette, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, thank you for taking my call. I'm well. Sounds like you're on another roll this week. I'm glad, too, because people need to hear it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. So I was uh, in researching these things that uh, you're talking about in the article there. And, you know, they do have statutes in Florida um, that have to do with the intermingling of ballots and uh, the early voting. I mean, they have deadlines for a reason. They say early voting count should be finished by Sunday. Uh, Marco Rubio had done it was on Face the Nation, and he was talking about it, saying that uh, it should have ended Sunday, and then that way on Monday they submit it into their system, upload it, and then send it off, and then they can begin their canvassing. And so as of Friday, this that just passed, the Friday before her due date to turn in the other ballots, they were still counting early voting. So <laughs> I just don't, I don't get it. There's statutes left and right, and these statutes say, felony if you, if this is done or if this is done and if this is done and so there was a discussion that about why uh governor scott had not replaced her in the past knowing that there's always a problem a significant problem there in broward county and and then it came up you know as far as uh he didn't want to have to face the possibility of being called a racist or you know something that had to do with her gender so it's like oh 
then he shouldn't be governor then. If, you know, he's fighting for nothing then, because he should have stood his ground and not let that interfere as far as what they wanted to call him. You do, sometimes you got to make tough calls like that. And the tough call was the right thing to do, and he didn't do the right thing. So, you know, he loses, he loses, in my opinion. Well, you know, but let, let's think of the, you know, let's think of the the consequences on that, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, let, let's hope you don't want that to hurt. Because remember, you know, the, Ohio will too, but, and, you know, a lot of states, all the states, but you know how it is with Florida. I mean, there's going to be key states, you know. And why do you think that, you know, that's why the Democrats are fighting so hard in Florida? Because I know it's going to be a key state in 2020, uh, you know, until, you know, since Ohio, and I think Virginia is going to be uh, play a key part. Now, of course, in 2020, it went for Hillary Clinton. Um, it's a kind of a purple state, leaning more towards a, a bluish purple. Uh, at this point, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm, which shocks the hell. I mean, I, I want to do uh, an expose one time of, of how Virginia, and actually I want to get uh, Virgil Good on. He was a Republican um, and then ran for president of the uh, Constitution Party in 2012. Uh, but, you know, get him on because he's from Virginia, and he mm-hmm. was a representative there for about 12 years or so. And, <clears throat> you know, it's like back when I was young, I mean, Seeing Virginia be blue was like what, what? I mean, what the hell happened to Virginia? You know, the beast the, the and it really, I mean, it really turned blue pretty quickly. You know, as, as, as things go, at least in my right. opinion. Uh, you know, I, I feel as far as right now because of the um, the situation of the country right now being on this precipice. You know, it's getting ready to just go right over into this abyss. Of no return, and for that reason, you know, as far as yes, he should continue to fight um, as far as for his win because it was called, and uh, and he and the other one conceded, you know, and and so I don't know what the problem is, but nevertheless, but, but then again, you have to think of what's happening also on the same note as far as the president blowing up everything, which is good, you know, and and blowing up the two-party system as far as having a good look at it and do we want to continue on this path. And the Republicans not backing up Governor Scott, the only one that's come out and talked for him was Marco Rubio that I'm aware of as far as just making rounds on the different networks. Um, California, the RNC didn't even financially back any of the candidates in this 2018 midterm. And it's like, you know, (laughs) fine. That's the way it's got to be, and that's the way it's got to be, and these are the consequences. You guys lose, which means the country loses. Good job. <laughs> well, yeah, but we don't want that. We certainly want that to happen. But yeah, I mean, they're gonna. I mean, there's even some thought out there that the Republicans are going to, um, you know, once the, the Democrats take the House, there are going to be some Republicans they're going to turn on him. I certainly hope not, because you know, I think they were pretty split. Uh, party until Kavanaugh, the whole debacle at the end of the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, to get him, uh, you know, get him confirmed. Uh, and I thought that kind of brought the party together. Let's hope the Democrats taking the House doesn't uh, reverse that because, you know, the Republicans, I mean, for a long time, it's why, one of the reasons why I kind of lot, you know, left them in 2012 and, you know, independent now. But uh, they have no gonads. They have no backbone. I mean, they finally start showing someone Trump had gotten the office because he was making them all look like mm-hmm. a bunch of wimps. Yeah. Yep. 
you're exactly right. Just when I thought they were they were finally getting their feeling their oats as far as yes, we have a fighter in there and now we can let our fighterness come out. And then they curled <laughs> with the budget. <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> you're kidding me. Well, and I, and I think it's going to be worse, uh, you know, 2000, 2019. I think the uh, uh, the yellowbacks or, or yellow bellies or whatever <laughs> the, we- the Western term is, uh, is uh, yeah, like yellow belly, yellow. I guess. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> I think that may be really so with the, with the uh, Democrats taking the House. What do you think, Avika? I think political correctness has gone to the Republican Party to be honest, and that's why they're so afraid to let the last shout. And so that's absolutely right. I, say, I, I posted on Facebook why Republicans lost the House. They didn't go to the battle states. They, went, they, kept, they, they, they thought they were safe states, and they did exactly what Democrats did in 2000 with West Virginia. We don't have to campaign there. There's uh, blue dogs. There's centrists over there. They're going to vote Democrat. No. Karl Rove told Bush over and over again, campaign there nonstop. You go there as many times as possible, and they flip the state red. Same thing with California, man. California was a red safe state all the way until 88. I mean, they elected two Republican yep. governors, the great Pete yep. David, uh, the great Pete Wilson, and, well, well, not Arnold. I don't even know what Arnold is, to be honest. But still, <laughs> they, they, they didn't set any resources out there. Omar Navarro, who I was in contact with a lot, I said, you can beat Maxine, but you got to get to the National Republican Party to give you the, that campaign, uh, campaign money and resources because Maxine has a lot of it. She has a lot of dirty money. She also has a lot of outsiders who are bully, and they'll do anything to stop you. And he even mm-hmm. witnessed that himself. He goes, man, there are paid thugs out here. Yes, those are hers. Her husband runs a bank. Or we all know how crooked she is. But Republicans have to, blame, uh, have to take the blame for this as well. They thought there was a safe state in Texas. You know, Beto O'Rourke didn't lose by that much. Ted, you know, he squeaked it, and I was glad. Look at Arizona, man. Well, we all know there's frauds going on there. Yeah, but they're talking about him being a possible uh, Democrat. O'Rourke, they're talking about him being uh, a possible presidential candidate. <laughs> Trump would destroy them, okay? I'll give you a quick rundown on what Trump's going to do to everybody. Beto O'Rourke, he's just going to go, are you Mexican? Are you, are you, are you, uh, are you Irish? Hey, Beto, why you Beto find a new uh, new job? I mean, who else is going to who, – who's going to who's gonna touch him? Uh, yeah, exactly. Who's going to touch Kamala Harris? Kamala, sweetheart, are your knees sore with Willie Brown? Here, here's some, uh, here's some oil. Jump up and down. Now you'll get some more mail votes. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> Liawatha, you know, well, what are you, you going to do, Liawatha? Are you going to put a yeah, – you're one and one – Ten, three, four, uh, uh, Native American. I don't even know. You're pathetic. You're a loser. I mean, there's no one. Sherrod Brown. You sound like a, you look like a Brady. Yeah, coach. they're they're throwing him around. Well, no, they're throwing him around as a VP, uh, a possible <laughs> VP pick. They just want to do that to try to get the Ohio vote. What that is? They want uh, a woman on the top of the ticket. The Demo- the Democrats want a woman on the top of the ticket. Yeah, yeah but there's no one but. And no, I don't care if it's a woman or not. And if she's qualified, she's qualified. But there's no one there. You're gonna get Gillibrand. You know what Trump's gonna say? Gillibrand, you need a man. You need a you need a man. That's what you need. I know you're married. You don't have a man. You think you can cuss and act like me? You're pathetic. You're horrible. You used to be a blue dog. Now you're just a sailor. Go away. There's absolutely <laughs> no one who's gonna be Trump. out there for her. <laughs> her best friend. <laughs> Uh, I thought James Brown died a few years ago. Yeah, you're, you're pathetic. You're a loser. And if Hillary runs, 
Oh, my God. He's just going to have fun with her. Hey, Hillary, Lisa was president. <laughs> there's no one who's yeah, going to I don't, I don't, even, think, I don't <laughs> even think there's a lot of people who actually I don't even, I think I don't even think there's a lot of people who want her to run. I mean, I don't know. I I I I don't I know I don't. I mean, I'm I, I'm I was kind of happy to, you know, get rid of the Hillary fatigue. Mhm. Yeah, that's uh-huh. true, but there's also another gentleman out there. He lost in West Virginia and, and he is an old school democrat. He's a blue dog. He's a centrist. He doesn't believe in those liberal ideologies. His name's uh I think Mike Ojeda, uh, Ojeda, he was a major in the Army, and he wants to bring the Democrat back to the party of the working class. And I'm just like, man, this guy's got some good ideologies. My only qualm with him, besides you know, not saying he's being a Democrat, is this, he, he's too union-centralized, and he's stuck in that old dog that we need unions for everything. I'm like, no, nope, you, you'll never get my vote. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But there's no one in 2020 who can take on Trump. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna win in a landslide. And if Democrats do any subpoenas or anything – They'll uh they'll lose the house. Oh, that's right. Jim Jordan didn't get a uh, House Minority Leader, oh, even no. though everybody in the country said Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan. But no, who they pick? Uh, uh, McCarthy. McCarthy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, McCarthy. you mean establishment McCarthy? He's just another. Paul oh, how did, how did I miss that? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. What uh, yeah. What happened today? Like, By the way, Republicans yeah. have already yep. go, already begun it, huh? Their mindset yep. behind that was behind saying that they were looking for leadership for the Republican Party instead of a fighter. You know, basically Jim Jordan. I, I can't believe it myself. It was something uh, 169 to 43. I mean, it was a big No. McCarthy is the worst choice we could have. That's an establishment Republican right there. He's got no ball. They were told about him being the Speaker of the House, right, with taking uh, Paul Ryan's place. But now, that, that's Paul yeah. Ryan's pick right there. He pretty much picked his success. I think Paul right. Ryan picked his successor. Yeah. Yeah. I know what they you know, were well, uh, What I don't understand is why would they give a lame duck uh, – why would they give a lame duck, you know – you know, such as Paul Ryan, you know, lame duck, uh, such as Paul Ryan, you know, lame duck speaker of the house, uh, you know, that much leeway to, to, to choose on a successor is, but you know what, it's gotta be part of the Republicans, uh, fallacy of, and that's why there's so many that hate Trump. It's the Republicans and, and the Democrats suffered it this, this time around with Hillary. But one thing when it comes to, you know, anybody, I guess, president camp, uh, presidential campaign, I guess now with this, uh, this thing here, because being the you know minority the leader now, but um, it's, it's his next turnism or her, you know their next turnism. It's like oh well now it's this person's turn. Oh well that's this person this person's turn. They've been doing this long enough, or, or they're, they're the you know it's like it's like a king appointing his prince you know to be you know the, the takeover. That's what it seems like it is, and that's just that's just ridiculous. And I guess they held enough power to be able to you know strong arm people to get them to vote their way. Yeah, I, I I cannot believe that you know they did not give Jim Jordan. I mean, the last time Republicans had any gall is with uh, Newt Gingrich. Newt said, "I'm going to get you, Clinton, any way I can," and he did. But he knew when to back off. He was like, "Okay, wait a minute, media is too much against us. We'll back off," you know. And in the end, Newt Gingrich became one of our greatest speakers. I don't understand what's the Republicans' problem. What's their problem? Now, granted, I, you know I have my uh, huh? Sorry, just by the last speaker was balls. You yeah, know, Paul just said you go and... forward with the Hillary Clinton 
investigation was investigating the FBI, these, these people that were in there, you know, he would have pushed forward in that direction. So what are the Republicans hiding? Are, they, are any of them attached to any of that mess or what? Because I can't see any other reason why they would have voted for McCarthy over Jim Jordan, unless they were attached to that, that uh, whole, uh, what do you call it, uranium deal that was bad and, and, you know, all this other intertwined garbage that has to do with our, our um, FBI and CIA and all of that where I'm coming from as far as I think maybe that's what they did. They did, to, they did it to protect themselves. Well, that's not more, that's, um, that's, you know, not more bad news that I, uh, you know, that I didn't want to hear <laughs> about that. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I guess I was, you know, I, you know, got some other things going on in the background, but um you know, other than politics, I'm not as focused, to be honest, as I as I as I was. Um, but man, I didn't I didn't even know that was even on the. I heard nothing about that. I mean, when were they talking about you know making that pick? I mean, I I I mean, I didn't think I was totally, you know, out of the loop. Uh, I'm just kind of I didn't know they were making that vote already. I mean, I didn't hear anybody no, it, talking about it. Well, right. the, uh, what happened? Michael Aventi, uh, he's been arrested for domestic violence against his wife, so that drowned it out pretty well. But the silver lining is is that this uh, President Trump has been vindicated once again. The people who attack him, they constantly, you know, they get their comeuppance. And Aventi, he was supposed to beat Trump, but apparently he just likes to beat women. And, you know, we'll see that. We'll wow. see how that one turns out. <laughs> Well now, um, yeah, and, and that's and you know, and with that vote, you know, I did, I did want to bring up, you know, more of this about that vote of illegal immigrants. I mean, I'm telling you, that's going to be another thing that I think is going to be we're going to hear more of. I mean, they already want to have that one not a citizen, you know, vote. I think that you know, with the Democrats in power, at least in the House, I think they're going to, you know, you're going you're going to see more of that stuff. I know with like that, that caravan coming up now that now they'll now that the midterms election. You would, I, don't be surprised if they slow down their pace on you know getting here, right? Now they're going to probably wait till after January before they start flooding, you know. And once the the Democrats take over, um, that that's what I think. We'll we'll see what happens, but I, I think they're going to start slowing down and be like, oh wait, wait, we got to wait till uh, you know the Democrats get in. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, before you know they decide to, you know, you know try to get get across the border because you know. You know, Trump, what he's saying, like, look, if you got to come through a port of entry, you've got to come through a port of entry in order for us to give you asylum. You can't come in illegally for us to give you, a, you know, asylum. And, and they're not going to do that. And then what, of course, we're trying to do with, uh, you know, the anchor babies and the big uh, controversy with that. And you know what? You know, tell you what, if you ever – who here uh, is familiar and listens or at least has heard uh, Judge Napolitano? Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard him plead his case about the Fourteenth Amendment, and for once, I'm actually going to disagree with him on some things. Fourteenth Amendment was not it was okay. It was written as uh, not the aftermath, yeah, an aftermath of the Civil Rights Act of 1866 by uh, Jacob, like by Jacob, by Senator Jacob Howard of Michigan. Now, four ways that we can prove that this does not protect anchor babies. One, it was for the newly freed. Uh, the, his words, Negro slave 
and the indentured servant, which was the Irish. And second, it also protect, it also gave Native Americans the right, you know, that they too are American citizens, even though another Supreme Court case would have to go uh, press forward that. The third is that the British Tories were still trying to influence America and trying to invade. And I said this last week, we don't know for a fact, it's a rumor, Chester A. Arthur, our president, was in fact a Canadian because his wife, you know, she was French. And lastly, Jacob Howard, this is after the Civil War, he knew that other influences would come in. And he, he's also on record saying this is not for dignitaries' kids or anything else. This is not for them and the ministers and anything else. This is for American-born citizens. This is for American-born citizens. That's why he was very adamant putting and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Now, if I go to another country, I must obey their laws. But I am not, in fact, a citizen or a subject of said, uh, of said state. So this birthright citizenship, you know, hey, McConnell, I got some, some must have, uh, not McConnell, but uh, Lindsey Graham, ever since the songbird died, you know, Lindsey Graham, he's on fire. He's even saying, no, we need to push forward a bill for birthright citizenship. However, Democrats now have the House. Good luck with that. And the dog chimes in. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, and then, of course, you know, with the uh, – you know the whole anchor baby thing. I, that's one, that's something that's always you know driven you know driven me nuts. Um, and you know I was going through this this lengthy article actually. <laughs> it, it's not one I'm going to go through. You know, uh, just maybe it seems uh, lengthier than it is. But go ahead. In your chat room. Oh, I put an article in your chat room. It gives an excellent example explaining. Um, Probably to your listeners, what the difference is as far as the the jurisdiction thereof. Um, the jurisdiction thereof is allows partial um, jurisdiction or partial yeah par- partial jurisdiction, which says that they have to follow the laws, but it's not full. And what's full is basically if a person comes here and they pull they pull a gun on us, well we can't charge them for treason because they're not a citizen. So. Um, they would be charged as a criminal, but not as a citizen. So they enjoy partial um, jurisdiction as far as territory goes, but not full. And so it's a matter of thereof and or subject to are the are the difference between the two. And but the article explains it pretty well, as well as um, your guest. I'm sorry, I didn't catch his name. Kavika. Kavika. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. As Kavika was saying, um, as far as the subject or the um, jurisdiction of. So it explains the two in a, in a great example towards mid-page, if you want to give it. It's just like a paragraph. All right, I'll, yeah, and that's I'll on the that federalist.com is what that is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. But then, no, but back to what I'm saying is, is that's exactly what they, you know, the 14th Amendment is. You're still subject to those laws, but you are not a citizen. You are not awarded, you know, the constitutional rights that we enjoy as Americans. That's what that was the idea of the, of, you know, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. You're still subjected to your countries. Because if, okay, because if that's a flaw in the Constitution, then that means any terrorist, anybody could come over here, like the Russians are doing right now. This is huge in Russia. It's a, it, I forgot how much it's, it's in the bill. It's almost in the billions. They call uh, maternity, uh, maternity vacations over here. These Russian women are knocked up. They're on their last trimester, which is incredibly dangerous to fly. 
you know, a baby in a plane, but they still right. come here and they're having babies here, and then they think they're automatically going to give citizenship and that their family's going to give citizenship. Man, if I was a terrorist and if I was ready to destroy this country, I would have like 20 women knocked up. Like, yeah, they're my kids. I got to protect them, so I get to stay here. Well, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, for, you know, for this, this article, it does have some good points here. And, again, you can find uh, uh, this link uh, from the Bard's Logic Political Talk website uh, on the newsroom page at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And, um, you know, this one is Anchor Babies Away. <laughs> That's a terrible title. But uh, Trump right to end birthright citizen. Damn right. It says, history, as the saying goes, is a lie agreed upon. And there has perhaps been no lie, uh, no bigger lie detrimental to the future national security and economic well-being of the United States that the 14th Amendment clearly written to protect uh, the rights of African-American slaves liberated by the first Republican president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, somehow confers citizenship on the offspring of anyone who is pregnant and can sneak past the U.S. Border Patrol. U.S. citizenship is rendered meaningless if it is defined as an accident of geography, and it is clear that this was not the intention authors of those who wrote the 14th Amendment and shepherded it into the Constitution. President Trump has rightly targeted birthright citizenship as a historical error that needs to be corrected. So, uh, President Trump said in a newly released interview he plans to sign an executive order. Uh, ending so-called birthright citizenship for babies of non-citizens born on U.S. soil, a move that would mark a major overhaul of immigration policy and trigger an almost legal, uh, almost certain legal battle. And these guys got to get this done before the first <laughs> January. Not that I think it will, but says so Michael Anton, a formal national security advisor for Trump, uh, pointed out that in July that there's a clause in the middle of the amendment. Then this is what you're talking about, Dusty. That that people ignore, they misinterpret, subject to the jurisdiction thereof. And here uh, it states, what they are saying is if you are born on U.S. soil subject to the dis- uh, jurisdiction of the United States, meaning you are the child of citizens or the child of legal immigrants, then you are entitled to citizenship. Anton told Fox News' Tucker Carlson in July, if you are here illegally, if you owe allegiance to a foreign nation, if you are the citizen of a foreign country, that clause does not apply to you. Anton is stunningly correct and clearly echoes the sentiments and legislative intent of the authors of the 14th Amendment. The only question is whether this historical error is better corrected through a clarifying amendment leg- amendment legislation or through a Trump executive order and uh, GOP representative. Well, we'll stop there and then I'll, we'll, we'll go back to it. So again, what is the best way of doing it? Well, clarifying the amendment, that's going to be tough, you know, with, with, you know, the upcoming them getting the house, certainly legislation, you know, is, is not going to happen because of what just happened in the midterm. The only way I see and let me get uh, your guys, uh, your two comments, is that an executive order probably is the only way, at least at this point in time, that this is going to get done. I mean, what, what do you think, uh, Suzette and Kavika? I agree. The wall needs to be done. We need a border. We need a formal border, um, whether it's 
an actual wall itself or a wall along with other things um, involved. I, I can't see any other way. Um, yes, we need maybe some changes in our immigration laws, um, but it's specific. The Constitution is specific, and I think the founders were specific you know, throughout the Constitution, and it shouldn't be left up to interpretation. It says what it says. And that's where, we're, that's where we get confused is because people start interpreting what they think these words in the Constitution says. And, and um, when it's left up to interpretation, depending on who's doing the interpreting, uh, it could mean anything. But when you actually act on what it says, then that's all there is. There's nothing more. But um, and, and where we're at right now, yes, we do need that wall. Um, back to you, Robert. Well, my contention is, and, and then I'll bring it to you, Kavika, is that here's what I think we should do with both illegal immigration and legal immigration. In my opinion, shut it down. I mean, because here's the thing. We don't need it. We don't need it anymore. I, ju- I do not think that America needs any more people flowing in. I just I don't think so. You know, we we you know this this faux pas that oh well we need them to you know you tell me you tell me what if I'm a strapping you're not even not so strapping you know male and I can make you know six dollars even six dollars an hour eight dollars an hour minimum wage like these kids flipping burgers you know spending the summer outside picking lettuce as as Kelly likes to say then you know what I'll, I'll pick lettuce for eight eight hours a day oh boy woo listen to my headphones or I'm picking lettuce for eight bucks an hour as a teenager. So to say that there's – oh, there's just not enough – you know, we need these guys to fill jobs is ridiculous. Um, you know, we, we've got the people here, I, I, you know, to fill them, you know. And then, you know, so I, I don't think, you know – you know, and then also, oh, well, we import people, you know, from all over the world who bring their, their best and brightest. Well, <clears throat> what they do is they come over here and they, they get their free degrees, you know, and they get their degree, you know, out-of-state tuition even though they – are from another country, you know, they get in-state tuition, even though they're from another country, you know, and I'm sure that's subsidized, you know, by the, by the federal government, you know, to do that. Plus it's, of course, you know, it's, it's not fair to people who are actually citizens of this country. And a lot of time, a lot of times they send that money back to their, uh, their home country. I mean, I just don't think we need uh, any type of role. I mean, immigration at this point in our history, I mean, maybe, you know, early in the day when we really needed, we had all this land to populate, you know, but I just don't think, feel think the needs there. I mean, where where am I wrong there, uh, Kavika? When I was younger, I would have said, uh, "No, we need uh, more immigrants." But I'm actually going to agree with you on that, man. We're full. Country is absolutely full. You know, and you know, my experiences with the, you know, short story here with the VA, 3.8 million vets, man. We can't even get it right. You think we're going to get it right with 325 million? You know, I'm hearing that was they say 30 to 40% of all births in America now are of illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. No, we, we're done with all this. Yeah, we're done with all this stuff. I'm tired of my tax dollars going of uh, going to uh, you know to these to these parasites. I call them parasites because that's what they are. Okay, they're not sending their best. You know, they are say, Trump said it in the beginning. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, and they're coming. You know, these people are coming here with a lot of problems. We don't have to deal with their problems. That's not our, you know, our kuleana, as we say over here. You know, I'm tired of it. We need to just start taking care of our own. I'm not saying we have to go into isolationism. You know, we'll speak softly and carry a big stick, but 
No, close it off. There are other countries. Japan doesn't welcome them. China sure as hell ain't welcoming them, and they get no gas. But everyone thinks that they're entitled to come here. No, you are not, you son of a bitch. You stay in your own damn country. Okay, I don't go to your country telling you how to live your life. Don't come to my country telling me how to live my life. And if you do want to come to this country, yeah, if you do want to come to this country, assimilate to our culture. Assimilate to our values. You can keep your traditions. I have no problem keeping your traditions of your homeland. I keep my traditions, some, you know, for holidays and not. But other than that, I'm an American. I'm tired of this stuff. Go ahead. And, and you know what? And, and, and for a guy's sake, learn the damn language. You know, I mean, come on, don't come over here. It drives me nuts, but you know, it's like learn language. How do you how do you get people to be you know uh, expect to come in here and actually get you know good paying jobs? You know, when they can't even when they can't even speak the language there. So we let's uh, go ahead. We got John on the line. Uh, got another Skype caller. Let me a uh, little uh, preview on Skype callers. Is uh, one person in the. Uh, you know, a couple people are like, well, how come you don't know who I'm, call- I'm calling in? You know, I'm a, I'm a regular caller. Well, when someone calls in from Skype, a, a phone number doesn't show up. And, and I don't make it a point to memorize people's phone numbers because they're, you know, it's their private numbers. You know, some of them, you know, I've just seen over time, you know, too much I remember. But with a Skype caller, the only numbers I see are, are literally 10 ones. So I don't know who the, who that, the Skype caller is on that other end. So if I, you know, if I see it and it's, you know, I bring it to the green room and to get your name, it's just I don't know which Skype caller, you know, that I've that I've got coming in. Uh, but we do have uh, John on the line, so let's go ahead and welcome John. Uh, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing fine, Robert. It sounds like everybody else is doing okay too. That's great. Yeah, I'll, definitely. You probably heard me before. Everybody that uh, has even listened to this show in the recent past. The, to me, the whole issue is about the legal United States citizens that are here already, they have standing to decide whether we allow new people to come into our country. Number one, we the, we the people, we pay the taxes, and we have a standing from that standpoint to say, hey, look, we already have enough people on the public dole. They're getting food stamps or whatever kind of unemployment or whatnot. And there's like, and you probably remember Joe bringing this up a couple of shows ago, 90-some-odd million people on the on the public dole. So, and 47 million of them are either on unemployment or on food stamps. It splits up pretty close to even, 43 million or 47 million, somewhere around there between those who are on unemployment and those who get food stamps and, you know, on SNAP or TANF or any of those kind of programs, social welfare programs. So we, the people, have standing to say, look, we have to reduce the doggone deficit and reduce the debt to our country, so therefore we don't need any more immigrants. The the bigwig illegal or uh, elitist, the fascist, oligarchy of elitists who want to be the puppet masters, they want to cherry pick the world so that way they can bring wage nominalization to the world. So they want to flood the market in America with all these low-wage workers and then push us to the point where people are stealing from each other to the point that they can't have enough, we won't have enough um, either 
policemen or military and who knows what other groups that they might throw in, ICE as well, you know, to try to control it, then they'll say, well, hey, we have to have the U.N. come and get involved now because there's just so much uproar and, out, you know, everything's in such a disorder. We're going to have to enact martial law, martial law and have the Hague and the ICC and the U.N. oversee this to get it back in, in place. And so, therefore, they're trying to change the mental paradigm about how we make decisions on these kind of things, and they don't even pay attention to the the Constitution. I mean, they make us, you know, talk about it and stuff because they'll, you know, there's like six different corporations that own all the media and all of the elite fascist dictators, puppet masters, they're all on the board of directors and they all have ownership and, you know, shares of the stock and stuff and they have all their little minions. So they're the feudalist lords and then they have all their vassals throughout these board of directors and all these investors that work throughout the stock market and all these different corporations around the world for the media as well as any other, you know, um, like the military or not necessarily military, but because the military contracts out all of the weapons. So all the bombs and the firearms and stuff that get made, you know, those are usually private contract companies. And it's, I mean, golly, this stuff is, there's, it's like an octopus. There's so many hands and so many people's hands in the pie. The Rockefellers and all those people, the Bilderbergs come down through the ranks. And then the legal United States citizens just get used like little serfs. Because they get to be the lords, and then they got their vassals in between to work through all these um, department heads throughout the bureaucracies in our government, as well as throughout the, uh, the the board of directors and all these companies. And they might even be executives on some of these companies' uh, payroll. And then they're just manipulating contracts with all the congressmen and senators in order to get things to work the way they want to. And then they deny you and I you and I, our right to have our decisions included in the will of law. So therefore, they basically nullify us from self-governing and nullify all the rest of us from having freedom and independence, you know, being a free person, and use us as just little cannon fodder for their little games. And then you have the other aspect in addition to that is the people that are on the public, though, unemployment and stuff and whatnot, if they can't make enough money to make ends meet, what do they do? They go to different neighborhoods or cities close by if they don't like stealing directly from their next-door neighbor because, you know, you want to try to keep everything <laughs> good between you and your next-door neighbor. It's just the neighborhoods on further out or the cities a little further out, you know, you'll go steal out of their garage or whatnot and stuff. And that puts a strain on we, the people, and the rest of us, and it creates havoc in our society. And like both of all of you said, there's no assimilation. Or even if there is assimilation, once people get wage nominalization to the point that it's so low that, the, you know, they're working two jobs and, you know, still having to go file for food stamps and whatnot, and they get a little itchy. And then, you know, the government's going to try to figure or the oligarchy of, puppet masters are going to push that to the extreme to the point where anybody that has any direct or indirect um, reliance on government, they're going to say, ah, we've got this great technology to help take care of you. So if you use this card, 
or this, you know, chip in your hand or whatnot, then we'll make sure that you get your stipend every month just, you know, to make sure that you get paid and you're going to be taken care of. But then, like Dragonfly in China, if not a year from now, two years from now, they'll implement that here. So now if you do anything outside of the elite puppet master fascist oligarchies, purview of what they say is right and wrong about how you're supposed to conduct yourself and behave, they just can digitally cut you off then, and now you have no access to freedom and liberty, and we have freedom and liberty now in a very limited standpoint, but we're still really legislative slaves as long as we allow people to be voted into office and then burden and encumber us against our will with burdens and encumbrances of the rules, laws, processes, and procedures of governing, then you are their slave because you are not allowing or you're not getting your values, morals, principles, and ethics included, you know, reciprocally and mutually into all the legal processes of rules, laws, and whatnot of self-governing. So you're just a legislative slave, and they represent you like a pimp represents a prostitute, and they just dictate to you how much money they get to take, and they call it taxes, but that's thuggery, you know, gangster thuggery. And I'm going to tell you how much taxes you're going to pay me because I'm going to make sure that the little companies around the world are going to collect it for me so you don't have to worry about that. But I'm going to make sure that, you know, you can't tell me what what the issue is about how much you pay or not. We're going to make sure that we tell you what you're going to pay, and we're going to take it from you. And then we're going to spend it the way we want to spend it, whether you like it or not. Your agenda means nothing. So it's all it's all a Machiavellian scam. But you and I, we should have standing because it's our tax dollars, and we are still part of self-governing. And the legal United States citizens who are on the public dole who would like to be able to get off the public dole, they're not having their will also reflected in the law. So, therefore, they have no control over it. But somehow, it's weird, those people in control, the oligarchy of puppet masters, they get to dictate all this stuff, but they're not responsible for any of the outcomes of destruction or failure. They get to write that off. It's socialism for them. It's privatization for the gains to them, but it's socialization for the losses. So they don't lose anything. They get the Congress and the senators to write up the laws and give them all kinds of tax deductions and tax benefits and, you know, subsidy kickback, kickbacks and whatnot. So they don't really pay squat, if anything at all. And then they control, oh, man, this goes into the whole beat. I'll leave it there for now. I think you got the point. The point is we need to do something to take back our power and tell all of the um, legal Americans, let's join together and get, uh, force a petition to say you can't, no one that gets elected to office gets to burden and encumber anybody else. Because that right in itself is bullying. And if you can get into office because you're elected and then burden and encumber somebody, bully them, then you already, um, throughout the rule of law, you've already violated the Constitution and the rule of law. So we got to get a petition that says no one in any form of government can burden and encumber anybody against their will without their consent and treat them like a uh, legislative slave. Otherwise, our country is just going to continue to fall apart. 
But that's just one step in the process, you know, because you will bring up get rid of the two-party system, yeah. And now on the, uh, and another point you guys were talking about on the elections, because Jim Condit Jr. was last week with us on the show and Kelly and stuff, I want to reiterate to the listeners and anybody that might be listening to this later as a, as a podcast, um, there are citizens across America that are trying to make sure there's integrity in our elections and there's integrity throughout the custody, the chain of custody for the votes and the counting of the records and stuff. And they're looking for input from people, and they've got some ideas that they hope the rest of us Americans can buy into and help promote and get it actually solidified in, into our um, election system. But you go to watchthevoteusa.com, watchthevoteusa.com, thisageofplenty.com, thisageofplenty.com, Election night gatekeepers, um, I'm thinking that's .org, or I'm just talking off the top of my head, so I don't remember if that's a .org or a .com. Election night gatekeepers, and then open letter to Donald Trump, and that way you can participate in helping making sure that from now on elections ha- you know, actually have integrity throughout the chain of custody. And if you go to those websites, watch the Vote USA, the Age of Plant, this Age of Plenty, Election Night Gatekeepers, open letter to Donald Trump, you'll, you know, get up to speed on all the details as far as they have. And if you have any great ideas or things that you think that they've overlooked or different angle on the issue that might help solidify the process a little better, I'm sure they would be grateful to hear from you and, and get your feedback to help make that an even better system. So thank you so much for your time or for the time, Rob. Back to you. Okay, we're going to bring in uh, Joe, and then uh, we'll uh, bring things uh, back around. Uh, make it back to to the the Anchor Babies uh, topic, or we'll uh, move on to another one. But let's go ahead and bring in Joe. Uh, thank you very much, Joe, for coming to the show. <laughs> How no are you? No problem, tonight? Bob. Hello, guys. Um, before John was talking, was that Kavita who was talking about Im- immigrants? Yeah. Yes, that was me. That was you? All right, listen. You don't have to apologize for squat, okay? I've got a so-called worse opinion about immigrants than you do. They come over here, even if they're legal, they're still taking up space. I'm of the Ann Coulter um, philosophy. The American, the the natural-born American has the right to the uh, the first bite of the apple. We have 250,000, either it's H-1B or whatever the visas are, for students, foreign students coming over here and taking up space in our classrooms. Even if they're contributing to America, we don't need them. And as John said a few minutes ago when he was alluding to me, 95 million Americans are out of work. They're not even included on the unemployment rolls because of the way the government does its accounting in order to make it look good. When it comes out with these figures like, eh, it's only 4%, 5%, 6% unemployment, bull. It's about 20% unemployment. So of immigrants, we don't need them, legal or illegal. Now, I've been of the opinion, I want to switch it. I want, did you guys listen to Limbaugh at all today? Not today, no. Okay. He said something which to me is incredible. I just, and to to confirm it, I took a look at, I'm taking a look at his transcript right now. Does anybody here believe that over time, 
that our resources could be used up, not just by immigrants, but just by the fact that we're human beings who use food, who use um, uh, precious, mineral, uh, precious minerals, rare earth minerals, in order to maintain a standard of living, in order to create new products. Does anybody think that our resources could eventually, over time, get used up? No, because I don't think well, sir, I, I think so. I, I think they could be, sure. Somebody said no. Uh, who said no? no the re- I, I say no, uh, too. Kavika. Kavika. The only reason I don't believe in that is because I'm a strong believer of capitalism, and our human ingenuity through a free market could, you know, it gives us new and uh, brighter ideas to create more things. But I, in a way, I do, and, but in a way, I don't. But uh, continue. Okay. I hope, I'm hoping that, because uh, I have the same kind of attitude you do, I'm hoping that because of innovation, that somehow we'll be able to preserve our natural resources. Now, the point I'm getting to is that Limbaugh believes that we're not running out of resources. Okay? Right. I don't I understand agree. that. If you're going to use steel, and you're building skyscrapers, and you're building submarines, and you're building destroyers, and you're building planes, and you're not recycling them, because that's not what we're doing. If we were recycling, I could understand it. But we're not recycling. There's a couple of plants, I forget where, I think maybe in California, they have this super high-tech technology that in order to quote-unquote recycle, they'll take this, doesn't matter what you take, you can take the titanium, and you can put it in between the, um, the probes or the points. Well, anyway, it's like a science, something out of science fiction. You can put it onto a platter, and this particular recycling plant will destroy what's ever there. Anything and everything on Earth except for radioactive materials. And it will convert it into water. That's not recycling. That's destruction. When you take a look at the landfills, I've, I've always said to myself, where are the companies that can come over, dig up these landfills, and recycle all of the bottles, even the plastic and everything that's there? It's not being done. Maybe in time we'll, we're doing it. But what about the other countries? Our country, we might be able to do it. But what about Brazil, Africa, even Germany, France, Saudi Arabia? Will they be able to uh, recycle their resources, or will they be running out of them? And what about oil? There's two uh, schools of thought on oil that once you use it, it's gone. There's another school of thought that says it automatically replenishes itself. Which one is the true one? I don't know. But I do know that there was um, a woman who had a, um, uh, had a talk show. She gave me the talk show. She's left. She's been gone for about four to six years now. She knew people who were digging up oil. She knew oil, oil, uh, oil well drillers. And she said that, you know, after they plugged up the holes and then they came back to unplug the holes, the oil wells, and they found oil there. So who knows? Maybe yes, maybe no. But getting back to the immigrants, because we're going to go into the anchor babies, right, right, Bob, in a few minutes? Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't need anybody. We just need the people who are here to have the opportunity to go get the jobs. I don't like the idea when people say, well, you know what, people wouldn't do those jobs that these immigrants are doing. And I say, well, maybe you ought to take a look at your history around 1932, 39, et cetera, when people were uprooting their families to go from state to state to do itinerant farming. 
and to do other kind of chores which were needed in order to survive. And I think that anybody, when you get down to brass tacks, if no money's coming in and they're off and they either can't get welfare or welfare can't, uh, isn't enough to sustain their particular lifestyle, they're going to do, do whatever is necessary to survive. So we, and again, this law in physics applies to human beings. Two objects cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Two people cannot have the same job at the same time. Even if there weren't immigrants here, would we not be competing with each other for jobs? So I don't see why people telling us, well, the immigrants aren't competing for your jobs. Is that a fact? What about the, um, the ones from India who are here on visas? What about the ones who are not students who are here on visas? And they stay beyond their visas, but the government doesn't go after them. They're taking your jobs. When you're talking to a foreigner who can't speak English well because he sounds or she sounds like she has marbles in her mouth, and she's talking to you about either you're getting the job or she's trying to help you find some place, either in a private sector or in the government sector, about getting help, she's got somebody's job. And I'm finished. So I'm done. And uh, before we bring it over uh, to, uh, you know, more on the Anchor Babies, uh, you know, just, just the article, we want to get more uh, more information. Let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kavika. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. Uh, Joe, yeah, I appreciate uh, your input on that. Yeah, well, what's the, uh, what's the resource thing is just, you know, I used to believe that we'll run out of resources. I guess when I was a Democrat, I used to believe in that stuff. We'll run out of resources, environmental, global warming. fact is, it's actually getting colder. New reports are showing that nah, it's there. It's actually getting colder on Earth. We're not having a global warming. There's no climate change going on. Uh, back to recycle. Uh, back to recycling and uh, landfill use. I was watching uh, Penn and Teller, and it was incredible because you know these, you know the very libertarian, very very centrist. You know, no, it's you know there's no bullshit between them. And I was watching uh, the episode, and they talk about how landfills that you know we're going to run out of space, but the truth is we only need 38 square miles. For a thousand years of non-stop, we saw our non-stop trash in just in this country alone, and you know, so that's one proportion. Uh, recycling, we're actually doing more harm than good. The only thing that has been proven to recycle uh, that has monetary value right now is plastic and cans. Cardboard, it takes five times more energy to recycle, which is more harmful than good as well. Uh, oil, what they found out in Alberta, Canada, just in the sand alone. There's about 150 years of oil reserve. There's no, there's no peak oil going on. I know Bernie Sanders and you know Hillary Clinton are always saying, "Let's peak oil. It's gonna happen." Resources, I don't buy that Malthusian uh, style thinking. Uh, for the immigrant issue, limited. You know, I, I, there are people who, you know, who want the opportunity to come here and they'll do it. They'll, you know, they'll do it the legal way. I've actually served with some uh, Marines who. Some of them I didn't even get along with, but I found out their situation. They said they want their family here. They can't, even though you know they've been in the Marine Corps for like five years. And I said, have you ever thought about doing it legally? He goes, no. He goes, I can't do something like that. He goes, I miss my family. He goes, but I know in the end it'll pay off. And I was like, yeah, that's the people I want in my country. You know, they're going to obey our laws. He, he knows our language. He, uh, he's adapting to the culture. You know, that's the people I want in my country. But uh, for cutoff, yeah, I'm 100% for that. We need to just start cutting things off left and right, limited. 
You know, I don't want to go back to the Chinese Exclusionary Act. You know, that was horrible or anything else, but we're done. You know, the country is full, and it'll be a limited supply. You know, and as a true conservative, I believe in limited government, but I also believe in limited immigration as well because everyone's getting a free pass, especially, you know, since uh, 9-11. Ann Coulter put it so perfectly. Over uh, a million uh, people from radical Islamic countries are in, this, are in the United States as well, and quarter of Central America's population is now in America, and they did that within less than 50 years. So yeah, there has to be a cutoff, and I can say this because my grandma, it took her over 30 years to become a uh, legal American. She did everything right. She never once broke the law. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, I mean, if we, you know, again, if we want to get more, um, oh, that, did you, you yeah, want to chime in on that, answer that? Yeah, just real quick, uh, as far as the natural resources oh, no, go, ahead. go, um, we, after the industrial age and all the companies left, so we weren't producing anything here, so most of those precious metals and things stayed in the ground because we were buying that steel from China and other places, um, as I think your question was uh, to the effect of whether or not we will run out of natural resources, um, but also I, I, mean, I guess that um, as far as recycling goes and what we do with with uh, with our throwaways, is, is that right? I don't just yeah, want to right. understand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I think you're right. And what do we do with it? And hopefully, yes, I agree with you as far as the technology and one day soon that we take care of that because it is starting to take up uh, space. But when you think about how much land mass we have here in the United States, it's a minuscule, but that's not an excuse to let it sit there. <laughs> we do need to do something with it. Um, the anchor baby thing, yes. We should just stop immigration altogether. Who cares what all these other countries say? They're starting to... Um, not take anymore either. Italy, Greece, they're closing their doors as far as enough. We're done. And uh, I believe Sweden should, but, well, hey, I'm not a Swede, so what do I know? <laughs> Back to you, Robert. Okay, yeah, so, you know, back to, you know, as I said, back to the uh, the autocrat there, um, you know, if we would have just, what they were talking about, um, with, with the anchor baby, just to give you know, some more information there, um, as uh, and then we'll you know we could go over to uh, you know different topic and we do see it's about now we got about an hour and a half left so we're good. Um, but we do want to welcome Kelly on the line. He's, he's not able to chime in tonight, um, but he is uh, listening with us. He's uh, doing his volunteering work at a uh, homeless shelter, so. Uh, but he did welcome, but he's, he's not going to be able to, to talk, so um, we'll be able to, uh, you know, say hi to, hi to Kelly. But anyway, um, will he be able to text we, we you or send an email, Bob? What's that? Will he be able to text you or send email? Oh, yeah, he's certainly able to text if he's been texting me. So oh, if, okay. uh, if you want to add All anything right. on there, <laughs> Kelly, you're welcome to text us. I mean, that can... Uh, I can bring it, uh, you know, bring it out on the floor here, just like for those, uh, you know, type anything in the chat. Um, you know, it's, it's it's with with Trump, and I think this is, you know, again, starting in January, things are going to be uh, tough from the beginning. But at least maybe he could use some of this, uh, you know, a little ammunition for himself. So Trump said he would end birthright citizenship 
And critics have uh, said that the task, even if justified, is well-nigh impossible, requiring amending the U.S. Constitution. In reality, it may not require altering the 14th Amendment, only correctly interpreting it, perhaps through clarifying legislation. As we know, that's, I don't know if they're going to be able to do clarifying, you know, but um, well, clarifying, maybe not making new legislation. As such as the 14th Amendment passed on July 3rd, uh, 1866, read, All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, and, and I think Kelly just texted me already, are citizens of the United States and the states wherein they reside. This was done again to guarantee the citizenship, right, of free slaves, not illegal aliens. The 1857 Dred Scott decision uh, ha- had held that no black, not even a free black, could be considered a citizen. In testimony before the House Judiciary Committee in October 2008, John T. Eastman, a law professor at Chapman University and a fellow at the Claremont Institute, argued that illegal aliens are still foreign nationals and are not subject to U.S. Jurisdiction, uh, jurisdiction except for purposes of deportation, and therefore their children born on American soil should not be automatically considered U.S. citizens. Uh, John Eastman of the Claremont Institute testified before the subcommittee saying the Supreme Court has never actually held that anyone who happens to make it to U.S. soil can unilaterally bestow citizenship on their children merely by giving birth here. Although such an understanding of the 14th Amendment has become widespread in recent years, it is not the understanding of those who drafted the 14th Amendment or of those who ratified it or of the leading constitutional commentators of the time. Neither was it the understanding of the Supreme Court when the court first considered the matter in 1872 or when it considered the matter a second time a decade later in 1884 or even when it considered the matter a third time 15 years after that, in the decision many erroneously viewed as interpreting the 14th Amendment to mandate automatic citizenship for anyone and everyone born on U.S. soil, whether their parents were here primarily or permanently or only temporary, legally or illegally, or might even be here as enemy combatants seeking to commit acts of terrorism against U.S. states and its citizens. I think you mentioned some about that, Kavika. It says, Eastman argues uh, that the modern view of the 14th Amendment ignores a key phrase in the citizenship clause. Mere birth on U.S. soil isn't uh, enough. A person must be born or naturalized in the United States and subject to its jurisdiction. Uh, During the debate on the 14th Amendment, Senator Jacob Merritt Howard of Michigan added jurisdiction language specifically to avoid action averse being sole criteria for citizenship. And if citizenship was determined just by place of birth, why did it take an act of Congress in 1922 to give American Indians birthright citizenship if they had already had citizenship by birthright under the 14th Amendment? So, you know, it goes on and, you know, we not much longer. Uh, but I did want to give an opportunity on any of those things if anybody wanted to uh, I do. Uh, make comment on that. Go ahead, Kavika. Okay, I want to make this very, very short and sweet. Or not, Kavika, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, Joe. Because I downloaded... Um... You guys kind of sound alike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the 14th Amendment. Any lawyer, anybody, any judge in the Supreme Court, what they have to do, they have to interpret a law according to what it was intended. Am I right or wrong? Yes, I'm right. 
And who to whom? And to whom? <laughs> and to whom is it? Um, is it from? And from whom is it intended? It should be intended from the authors of those particular amendments or laws. The, the founders of the Constitution. You have to interpret what they've said according to what uh, to what they said in the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers. Now, getting back to the Fourteenth Amendment, let me read to you what Howard, Senator Howard, the author of the Fourteenth Amendment, said. Senator Howard even went so far as to say that the amendment's intent had been so thoroughly discussed that he shouldn't even have to clarify it. Quote from Howard, I do not propose to say anything on that subject except that the question of citizenship has been so fully discussed in this body as not to need any further elucidation on my opinion. Okay, that doesn't settle the question. But it goes on. What's more, the amendment is only articulating what is already established law, Senator Howard said. Quote him, the First Amendment... To Section 1, declaring that all persons born in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and other states wherein they reside. The amendment which I have offered is simply declaratory, for which I regard as the law of the land already, that every person within the limits of the United States and subject to the jurisdiction is by virtue of national law national, and national citizen of the United States. Now, that doesn't settle anything, okay? What he says next does. As for birthright citizenship, Senator Howard said, foreigners and aliens born on U.S. soil of, quote, unquote, of course, not citizens. Going on with this quote, this will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens, who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers accredited to the government of the United States but will include every other class of persons. That should settle the issue. He says very specifically, if you're a foreigner, if you're an alien, if you belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers, you are not a citizen of the United States just because you're born here. That should be it. There should be no debate. Um, I'm back to anybody who wants to refute that statement. I do. No, words, I'm, just I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. And Kelly said uh, he, he would type, but then if he, his fingers would start fire, and <laughs> so he uh, did not want to do that. <laughs> so I have something. Go ahead. Yeah, I would add to it, because of the fact that we are based on a Declaration of Independence and a Constitution, which are covenant agreements between each other. It's not agreements between the government, because any one of us can be, you know, a part of the government. The, The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are covenant agreements between you and I, every legal United States citizen. And when you start deciding that the oligarchy gets to decide how many people come into this um, country and then them actually take up resources when we already have 320, however, it don't matter how many there are. When you have people on the public dole and you have people that are not on the public dole but they are still homeless, sleeping out of their car, sleeping under a bridge, out on the park bench or in a tent or, you know, tent city or even at a shelter, they have a first right of refusal to say no. 
until I'm able to take care of myself and get off the public dole, we don't have any um, right to bring any foreigner or anybody into this country because they have a right to the pursuit of happiness. If you deny them their right to pursue the happiness, then you're saying you don't have a right to decide your own pursuit of happiness, and the oligarchy gets to dictate you out of the process, nullify you. Uh, I would want to add that to what Joe said. Back to you, Rob. And Joe, did you want to, uh, you know, bring that back, and then we'll bring uh, uh, Kavika in, and then Suzette? Okay. Just in case I didn't get, to, uh, I didn't make myself clear. Does anybody not understand that, as a result of the person, the author who was a senator back in 1866, the person who wrote up the amendment, he's saying clearly, in order to make sure that everybody does understand, if you are an alien or a foreigner, or even if you are a member of the ambassadorship, a family of uh, if you belong to a family of ambassadors. You're still not a citizen, okay? Right, because and it, 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 the the main point is that you have, um, you know, you're you're, you're, you're well, you have jurisdiction right here, but I'm, they're talking about where you have allegiance to that the nation of your origin. It doesn't matter about allegiance or not. I mean, if you're an immigrant who's here and your allegiance is the United States because you've adopted our values, then great. But no, but, all... but, they, but what they mean by allegiance is that you're 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 still you know considered you know, they have ties with that country. Yeah, well, yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't matter. Go ahead, go ahead. Like 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 um, how it says, even if you're born, if you quote belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers, accredited to the government of the United States, you're still not a citizen. Okay, you have to be. And this is going to be, of course, always open to debate for years and years because of the more laws that get elected to the Supreme Court. Who's an alien, who's not an alien, who's a citizen, who's not a citizen, you know, whatever goes through their minds. But if they're supposed to be lawyers to interpret the law according to whoever wrote the law and to the intent of that particular person, and if that person has stated way back when what the intention was as clearly as the language we use today, there shouldn't be any debate, okay? So the debate really in the 14th Amendment is about subject to their jurisdiction. Mm. But, okay. Joe, yeah. you know as well as any of us do that we have to be careful about when the people who are writing the laws use vernacular that seems to send one signal when they're using doublespeak in order to maintain this vagueness and ambiguity so then the bureaucracies can manipulate it for the different issue. Because it sounds great and we think we understand what the intention was because the person that authored the bill or authored that portion of the bill, we knew what that meant. It's just like whenever the USA Freedom Act came out and Ted uh, Cruz was the one that implemented the enemy combatant part of that issue. Well, it wasn't, it's not defined well enough to me. It's so open-ended that you could almost make anybody the enemy combatant. But he had to go along with all the other people to work it out, and they didn't put enough details in it. So that's where I'm coming from. I agree with you in the way you're presenting it, but I think we have to be super cautious because we know how these originators originators of the laws 
you know, maybe since that one, maybe that's a good one in the case you're explaining it, but there's tons of other ones on presidents that are not. You know, not presidents like in the President Trump, but presidents in the fact that, hey, we're going to use a previous case to justify the case that we're um, discussing today. That stuff is slippery ice. I don't agree with that. So that's the only concern I have. But I agree with you in the principle. Right. I mean, the... Look, a lot of the laws are very, very vague. That's why when it comes up to a lawyer, especially the the, um, uh, the SCOTUSes, they have to take a look at the law. They have to take a look at the vernacular of the time that it was written in, and they have to take a look at the person's intent who wrote the law. That's how they're supposed to do it, okay? Um, but if they don't do it that way, then they're, you know, they, they're in they're creating a law and they're not the legislative ba- uh, body instead of interpreting the law their job is to interpret the law and that's how you do it any law regardless of whether it was written today or if it was written 100 years ago the person who wrote the law back then had certain intentions you have to know what those intentions are in the laws themselves in order to maintain some sort of briefness they're vague sometimes they're specific but a lot of times they're vague so um after the law is passed a lot of uh, i don't know about a lot but uh let's say some of the authors they will try to clarify their own um their own law like how it did and then that's what the um, the justices are supposed to use because they're not supposed to assume they're supposed to do their research they're supposed to read for example the federalist papers the anti-federalist papers and the documents of um, the private and uh, public writings of the of the father of the fathers, for example, I've already made this particular case to other people. I'm saying, you know, there are some people who think of themselves. Oh, I think it's on. It was on this show, um, um, Dr. Tobert, and I wasn't directing it at him so much as to everybody. You're not a scholar at anything unless you do the research a certain way according to some sort of scientific method. And you have to be willing to take your viewpoint, your opinions, and have them be chopped up by other people who have other opinions. And then after you do that, then you have debates again, and then you use logic. That makes you a scholar, not only a constitutional scholar, a physics scholar, and a scholar on Einstein, a scholar on block talk radio. So... Uh, that's my, that's my opinion there. And, and Kelly's got text me this to talk about uh, texting. Uh, I'm going to read this. It says, uh, interpreting constitution and right, intended use and historical practice, District of Columbia versus Heller, 2008 U.S. Supreme Court. Did you guys get all that? Mm-hmm. Got it. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> so even when he's not able to call in, is uh, still able to uh, con- uh, contribute there. <laughs> We've all, always dubbed uh, Kelly for years uh, on the uh, as being our uh, constitutional scholar there. <laughs> and he actually wrote a book uh, called A Hidden Fourth Branch. Uh, that's actually how Kelly and I met. A uh, little, little side information. Uh, Matt was uh, interviewed him on... Uh, his book that he did about the uh, the grand jury, and uh, then you know sort came in and he became one of the uh, the panels of the show. Uh, now I was kind of hoping when I was out in Nebraska a couple of years ago I'd be able to 
uh, meet up with them because he's in, he's in California. But alas, I've only been able to uh, meet with Cindy Todd uh, in Florida one time, uh, you know, who used to be a, a longstanding uh, panelist with us here on the show. Uh, but anyway, um, we'll go on and, uh, you know, continue on with that. Unless anyone else wants to chime in um, on any of that. Anyone else want to uh, bring up any more information on that before I uh, continue on? Nope. Silence at all. Matters. <laughs> the language matters, and 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 um, Kabika had said so as far as in the beginning as well with the jurisdiction of, and so I don't think anything needs to be interpreted when you have legal jargon used. It's you know specific as far as of or or to, and and as long as that can be distinct or you know distinguished then problem solved so I guess the courts have to figure out I don't know why but what of and what to is and how it's applied uh, in the Constitution under you know article 2 can you just imagine what kind of um, what kind of nonsense we'd be going through today if the uh, founding fathers had used the phrase outer space <laughs> who knows? Maybe one day we'll be uh, have to worry about those type of illegal aliens. But anyway, Kelly's uh, uh, en route to <coughs> go to a meeting, uh, but he did uh, still uh, send me something else here. Um, it says uh, at the next homeless shelter board meeting, I'll try to get a new policy passed. But says the priority for those, I guess it's uh, the way the Democrats think. It's the priority for those. Uh, who gets to freeze out in the cold um, is uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what he meant on that, but it says uh, illegal refugees, illegal aliens, people from outside the country then if room is left uh, locals <laughs> so I guess that's uh, who the Democrats would let in first uh, the homeless shelters if they were the ones running the show at least that's my take I got on that <laughs> Well, you're right. The Democrats want oh, voters. To, to get, to get how, how, their housing priorities. That's what their housing priorities are. Uh, uh, one more thing, Robert. I, I think that I should be clearer anyway where my stance is on that. You know, if the person is here, enters the country illegally, then whatever comes out of them here is illegal too. <laughs> you know, and, and so on that front, if, if they have a child, Basically, that child is illegal because it came from the person who was here illegally. Um, so they need to get on a boat and go home. <laughs> they carried back across the border. I don't know. And then, um, yeah, well, yeah, and that, yeah, I'm almost finished up here because it does uh, have just one more point, and then we can move on to a, you know, a different topic on what. Uh, you know, troubles we're going to have once the Democrats, uh, you know, take over uh, when it comes to uh, Trump's agenda. And that is uh, uh, Nathan, uh, Rep, uh, Representative Nathan Deal of Georgia sought to clarify the situation through H.R. 698, the Citizen Reform Act of 2005. Uh, 698 declared, is the purpose of this act to deny automatic citizenship at birth to children born in the United States to parents who are not citizens or permanent resident aliens. 
the bill undertook to clarify subject to the jurisdiction of the United States to the meaning originally intended by Congress in the 14th Amendment. The current interpretation of birthright citizenship may, in fact, have been a huge mistake and given the burden illegal aliens have imposed on our welfare, educational, and health care systems as though through increased crime on our legal system, a very costly one. There may be hope through uh, or correctly uh, interpreting the 14th Amendment through a court case as President Trump reshapes the court, particularly the Supreme Court with justices of more originalist bent. As noted, the misinterpretation could be corrected through clarifying legislation. We can correct it judicially or legislatively as we should. Donald Trump was right. Becoming a U.S. citizen should require more than your mother successfully seeking past the U.S. Patrol, the Border Patrol. And so, that, I, mean, I, I mean, that was, you know, one of the hallmarks of him running, uh, you know, of course. And, and now, if we try to do things legislatively, I mean, I just think that the, you know, the Democrats are going to, you know, uh, of course, they're going to obstruct. Of course, we'll be spending too much time uh, talking about, you know, all the different investigations um, that we get, um, that are going to be going on uh, because of it, uh, you know, with them you know, having all these committees now. Uh, so what I like to do at this point is that you know, I've got more things here I can, you know, glean from uh, the website on, you know, what it's going to look like uh, for Trump's agenda. Uh, but I would like to hear from the panel what you think that, uh, and each person, you know, if it's the same, I guess, but, you know, maybe if we can find something different. And we'll start um, with you, Gabika, and then uh, we'll go with you, Suzette, and then John, and then Joe, on what do you think? Uh, is going to be the biggest obstacle for uh, the Trump administration on getting any of their agenda passed uh, when the Democrats take over the House of Representatives. Uh, so we'll go with you, Kavika. Well, one of the obstacles is going to be McCarthy because I think he's going to side with Democrats a lot. He'll be their new John McCain, so that's going to be an obstacle. You know they're gonna do their, you know they're gonna do their investigation, issue subpoenas. They're gonna give Robert Mueller unconstitutional, unfettered power to do whatever he wants. Uh, I don't think they're gonna work with Republicans. It's just gonna we're we're, we're gonna have gridlock. You know, as each day passes, I really believe. You know, I want to be optimistic, but I really believe we're just gonna have gridlock for the next two years. But the silver lining is is if we do. Trump's going to win in a landslide in 2020, and Republicans could take the House back. However, if Democrats get their way, you know, they could possibly take take back the Senate, you know, and God forbid they start impeachment. But, but you know, this is what, what was upsetting to me, and it, it, I can't get this out of my head. Kavanaugh, by Senate Judiciary, even Chuck Grassley, they ended their report. Nothing came back. He was 100% innocent, and not one freaking senator from the Democrat Party, including Crazy Maisie, who's my senator, who went in a landslide, has not apologized to that man. They don't give a shit about facts and logic anymore. All they care about is, you know, is brought in their horizons and seeing what they can get out of it. You know, I, you know, I agree with uh, John there about, you know, there's no more, you know, there's, I guess, our functioning republic 
is not uh, is not working anymore. And it reminds me of of Rome, the fall of Rome. See, we keep thinking Rome fell through the Germans and through these these uh, rebel armies, but the, no, it's not. Rome had technology that you know at the time no one could ever dream of. There was not an army on earth that could take them. They fell because of their political class. You know, it all started with the Caesars. It started with the very first welfare system. Hey, we'll give you free flour for the bread. Hmm, free flour's working. Okay, now we'll just give you bread. And then they started passing laws where you will be taxed more. If you, The rich are going to be taxed. The, the poor will not be taxed. And if things got out of hand, bread and circuses. Hey, that's not working. So now we're going to pass UBI. You're going to get free bread. You're going to get pork. You're going to get salt. You're going to get wine and olive oil. You don't need to work anymore. But the rich, no, they'll stay where they are. We'll tax them to death. And if they move, we'll kill them. So by the time the German invaders came, the, the, you know, the minority were just like, hey, we welcome you. Because it's probably going to be a lot better than what we have right now. So, you know, you know going back to what I'm saying is, I don't know what's going to happen in the next two years. We could have gridlock. We could have maybe, you know, maybe Nancy's going to work, but I highly doubt it. But to stop, to, you know, the try, I don't want to say Trump agenda. I, I could say, you know, like a contract with America, because that's why I really believe we're going to see halting progress. And, you know, the stocks are going to dip. We might see unemployment. Uh, I don't know, trade could go down. This is going to be an interesting two years. Well, I think it's going to be an absolute mess. I'll tell you what, I mean, with all the different investigations, gosh, you know, knows how much they're going to try to, you know, create things and indict things for an investigation for something other than what they're investigating. And, of course, you know, God knows how much uh, stuff that's going to be made up, uh, you know, and fabricated to try to get uh, the oust uh, Trump. And then we'll, um, you know, I've become more, you know, to like Pence, but, you know, I've always thought that he was, uh, and we spoke of uh, Paul Ryan earlier. I thought Pence was Paul mm-hmm. Ryan's pick uh, for whatever reason, but I think someone even you know suggested uh, Pence to him. I'm becoming more to, to like Pence, but <clears throat> I still think that you know he may end up turning out to be a strong man. I hope I'm wrong um, mm-hmm. for that, especially if they are in somehow, some way, uh, successful in, in impeaching Trump and then him getting in there. But it does make me wonder if that was to happen, who would be the, the vice president. You know, if uh, Trump ever did get, uh, you know, impeached and, and he resigned or left or whatever, uh, who ended up being the vice president, that would be you – know, that would make things yeah. – I wouldn't necessarily say interesting, but – However, yeah, no, however, you know, Trump's actually smart. He's not doing what Bill Clinton because Bill Clinton was a lawyer. His ego got him. But they had him on a crime. You cannot impeach a president on anything. You have to make sure you have proof. Clinton was impeached for a misdemeanor because he lied to the grand jury. Even if it was in a civil suit, he still lied. Even Alan Dershowitz acknowledged that. He still lied. You know, granted, they put it to their truth. He still lied. He said, I did not have sex with a black woman. And he also tried to keep the, uh, the registry book to say, no, I, you know, I, I can keep that book. It's my book. Okay. No, the Supreme Court said, no, you must give over that. And it showed that Monica Lewinsky was there. That's why he was grounds for impeachment. But Democrats went back to the House after that happened because that's all Republicans were focused on. And if Democrats focus on that, try to impeach them for nothing, they will lose the House and Republicans will regain uh, the majority. I hope for God it's new Republicans and not establishment because we're seeing how that's working out. And finally, you know, fire Robert Mueller. Go ahead and do it. You lost the House. 
go ahead and fire Robert Mueller. Before well, the it's year, interesting Trump you said that, because yeah, uh, Suzette just put a, an article in the chat, uh, which I'll, and, and all the articles that, uh, that she's been uh, sending, uh, well, that's a beautiful race there by that lake, by the uh, Washington Monument. But anyway, um, you'll be able to find all these uh, articles that uh, she sent uh, to us uh, on the Bard's Logical Talk uh, page there on Facebook. <coughs> sorry, Facebook. Go ahead. Uh, sorry for interrupting me again. Oh, no, no, that's great. No, I'll, I'll just check that out. And lastly, there was a protest by my house, you know, because I'm close. I don't want to say where I am, but these people were protesting and saying uh, Whitaker is unconstitutional, what Trump did is unconstitutional. And I had to school these freaking radicals and tell them, no, it is not. It is just like when Dick Cheney took over for Bush in 2004 because he had his heart procedure, or 2005, he had his heart procedure. For three hours, he was the acting president. It is not unconstitutional for, for Trump to appoint an emergency appointment for Whitaker. Now, when the new session of Congress convenes, then he must be appointed by the he must be appointed. So I don't know why they're crying about it. Whitaker, I like this guy. Not only he's big, he's strong, but man, he doesn't take shit from anyone and he is going after the Clinton. Oh. And Trump needs to hold on hey. to this person. Real quick, Suzette, that link that you put in the chat, um, they can't find it. <laughs> it says, Oh sorry, this person's okay. gone. So I find that oh. interesting because I, 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 okay. I clicked on uh, it and maybe just missing a few numbers. But go ahead, Kavika. Sorry. I just want to put that, no, no, give no, that no, out no, to no, Yeah, I'll finish up with no. But uh, what I'm trying to tell him is that, yes, the President of the United States can make an emergency appointment. He put he put Whitaker as the acting attorney general. He doesn't have to use Rosenstein. He can put whoever the hell he wants. Now, when the new session convenes, he must be appointed. That's how it works. I don't know what happened to our – I don't know how people don't know civics, basic law, or the Constitution. The president has that power. He doesn't have unfettered well, they don't power teach that like stuff Robert anymore. Excuse me? Oh, that's because they don't teach that stuff anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, and they, they were like, no, 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 that, that's not true. I said, show me – and I pulled out, you know, I have my pocket Constitution right there. Show me where the president doesn't have the power. The president of the United States has that power. I don't know why you're trying to say that. And I'll, 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 I'll give you a freebie here. When they were saying let's indict Obama, I kept preaching, you cannot indict the president of the United States. You can indict his attorney general, but you can't indict the president of the United States. How are you guys protesting out here and not knowing what you're protesting about? You're screaming, yelling, saying, Well, that's, uh, that's common, especially among colleges. Yeah, they have no clue. And, of course, they're screaming and everything. And then, of course, I reverted back to what I said. I told the guy flat out, I said, you're probably not popular with women, are you? And then he walked off. <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty <laughs> wow. that. Okay, then that brings that over to you. Susan. What do you think is going to be uh, the administration's biggest problem? You know, getting, you know, the, uh, the his agenda. <laughs> um. Well... A lot's going to depend on on the outcome of these elections that we're waiting to close. And I say that because it's going to shift the Senate uh, seats a little bit more. And uh, Chuck Schumer already came out and said that uh, as far as Trump's investigations goes, um, they're working to protect Mueller um, and... They don't intend on giving any money towards the border wall, and so if uh, well, we know we Trump we knew that, yeah. 
Right. But basically today he came out and said, so if he shuts down the government, that's on him. So we got to jump on that. Trump was trying to get that out a little bit as far as um, when reporters were asking him if he was going to, if he would shut down the government. And uh, he kind of put on the Democrats. He said, well, yeah, I'm willing to work with them. But, yeah, you know, basically if it gets shut down, it's going to be on them. Uh, the press will report that. And so when Schumer came out and said it, now now they twisted it around. And so Republicans will get blamed for it. Uh, Trump does it. But I don't think that he should back down from it for, if, if that's the case. Um, there's just a lot going on within his um, uh, FBI and CIA and with House Republicans. I, you know, McCarthy, he's not going to fight for for uh, anything that was already in the works that Jim Jordan had set on course as far as investigations and, and finding the truth there. So I I don't really see much happening. See a lot of gridlock. We, we hear Grassley saying that he's going to be putting nominees through left and right to get those pushed through. Um, and I hope so. But then you have people like Jeff Flake. It's like, see, and I know he's only there till January 19th, but nevertheless, uh, anything that they're going to try and do and hurry and get done is going to be blocked by somebody. Some rhino asshole. Sorry, but ugh, I'm just so frustrated. Jeff Flake is Susan Collins. Go ahead. Oh, I apologize. No, it's Jeff Flake and Susan Collins. They're going to go back to the rhino, uh, the rhino, uh, the rhino acts. Susan Collins, needed, uh, she's trying. She tried to secure her election in 2020. She's gonna, if she votes against this, I guarantee she'll be ousted. Host Robert brings Bard's Logic Political Talk to the masses Wednesday evenings. Show starts 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central Time. 7 p.m. Pacific time, and is a three-hour show. Now, in about nine or eight, seven minutes, we go into the third hour of the show, which happens to be lovingly called Bard's Logic After Dark. So the live Internet feed may stop in about seven or eight minutes at the top of the hour. However, continue listening to the last hour, Bard's Logic After Dark, by calling 347-945-7428. During Bard's Logic After Dark, make sure your phone is charged up, and that you do not get disconnected because you will not be able to dial back in. So make sure your phone is charged up and call 347-945-7428 before the top of the hour. That's 347-945-7428 in the next few minutes. And if you just want to listen, you just listen. If you want to get involved in the conversation, just press 1 on your number dial, and host Robert will help get you into the show. Your unique perspective on the issues being discussed is equally worthy, so call 347-945-7428 in the next few minutes for Bard's Logic After Dark. Also, visit the website, bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, for all the information about the show, times, dates, topics of the day, and so on. You'll see it all there on the website, bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Then, share the links and content about the show and website with everyone. Friends, family, neighbors, near or far, worldwide, everyone. BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com. You can even get Bard's Logic Political Talk podcasts of the show from iTunes. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Bard's Logic Political Talk podcasts of, sh- of the show from iTunes. 
You're listening to Bard's Logic Political Talk on Blog Talk Radio. Now get ready for Bard's Logic After Dark. Back to you, Robert. Back to the show. Well, I appreciate that, uh, as always. <laughs> I probably couldn't do it uh, better myself. Uh, so let's uh, we'll bring it back, and you're going to get your spot, too. Let's go ahead and bring it back to Suzette and yourself. And then, Joe, then we'll, uh, we'll bring in a, a different uh, topic there. Go ahead, Suzette. Oh, uh, I pretty much finished. I came another, across another story. President Trump reassigns Mira McCardle, the Deputy National Security Advisor, um, the first lady wanted fired. So, And I think she did with good reason. Um, it was uh, because a woman, during her travel arrangements for Africa, was arranged doing the seating, and there was an argument among the First Lady staff and this Ricardo lady. Um, and then after they had left for Africa, because she, Ricardo did not go on the trip, she was spreading rumors um, in the White House, and so First Lady said, I want her out. <laughs> and the President said, okay. Beautiful. <laughs> So he's trying to clean house. That's good. Because, you know, there's a lot of leftovers from Obama. And that's it. That's all I had to say. Back to you, Robert. I'll put the link in the chat room. Well, actually, it goes over to John and what he thinks is going to be the, the biggest obstacle or, or what, what uh, he thinks is going to be the hardest uh, uh, agenda piece to go, uh, go through. Well, I think well, Trump should. Trump's hidden agenda is to try to kill these doggone investigations are just going to be the hardest thing for him to stop. Unfortunately, you know, that means that our Congress senators and congressmen are going to continue to um, basically subvert the rule of law and the Constitution as much as possible as they have been. Now, uh, another aspect of this is, you know, during the election, you remember uh, Mitch McConnell and uh, Rand Paul and Kevin McCarthy, Kevin Brady, Ch- Liz Cheney, which are the new leadership, I guess, coming into the new year, her new admin- uh, change. They seemed to be gone from off the stage. They weren't trying to help anybody win in their elections or nothing. But it seems like all of the centrists, Moderate Democrats and, and the moderate uh, no-Trumper Republicans have did some kind of backdoor meet. You know, um, we call them. It's just a meeting in the hidden room or whatever, and they've come up with the means to be able to say we're going to take control over this. Yeah, we're going to maybe let a couple of these Democratic. Uh, Nutbags, I call them nutbags, you know, the extreme left kind of people. We're going to let a few of those get in, you know, because with them we can control that a little easier. They tend to be more um, sheeple where they just kind of follow a lot more than the far-right Republicans. But we're going to definitely work to isolate these far-right Republicans. They got rid of Dave Bratt, and then they, you know, basically crapped all over Jim Jordan. And I don't know how many of the others, they don't come to my mind off the top of my head. So it's like there's there's this centrist group of people, and they're going to continue to manipulate Trump. They don't already have him in their back pocket. And so that's part of my concern in that is because with them being controlled by the um, puppet masters, they want to continue to allow the flood of these foreigners coming into our country. Well, 
Why is that? Well, they want to take away guns. And as long as they can get people into our country to raise all kinds of problems in the country, then they'll say, oh, we have to take the guns away now. And then they'll have all these centrist, you know, people in office that are going to be falling for that kind of nonsense so they can take it one more step to having more control over we the people and denying us our right to self-govern and be free people. The, the psychological aspect is going to be the hardest hurdle for us to be able to get our agenda straight where all legal Americans have a rightful place in self-governing and not be nullified. And we've had that problem for way too long now, and people are waking up to it. And a lot of these prisons are definitely crowded, and they're trying to figure out how to raise more money to buy more um, prison land and build more prisons. But we've got more prisons than we've ever had since the founding of our country, and we got they're crowded, and they're starting to talk about these programs. They're going to start releasing them. Well, you know, with the flooding of the foreigners and the releasing of the doggone uh, people that are in prison, and then you got Ryan and some of these people manipulating the the safety net for the unemployment and social security or not or disability or whatever to kick some of these people off in order to make the doggone unemployment rates look good because if they're kicked off the system you know they're not even measured anymore they don't show up in the figures and those people are going to be really stranded trying to make ends meet and they if they can rely on the churches or family members it's just going to create more havoc and then you it just breeds more corruption and we got enough homeless people and you know like i said earlier living in tents and whatnot across the united states now i just think they're taking it to a new level and if trump doesn't see that because he's surrounded himself with so many globalists and elitists that you know they're blocking his view from here and from the least among us then the least among us are going to end up being the terrorist enemy combatants that we were talking about earlier and the guy that got and, and you know the guy that supposedly sent all the fake bombs around to all the people that were bad mouthing Trump we haven't heard from him again so you know he could have been a plant or you know one of those people that they just monitored on the internet and kept having a couple of little agents feeding him nonsense to push him to the point where he would do something like this and with them having their technology nerds and whatnot, having access to all the databases around the world, they can monitor any one of us, and they, they do it in secret. I'm telling you, they don't listen to the rule of law. That's all just a bait and scam for us to be talking about it, but they don't listen to it. They just work right around it. And you work for any big company. They're using technology people to police, to you know, try to capture dirt on their competition. So they can try to use blackmail or whatnot, and the government does it the same way. It's nothing different. It's it's all a scam. Anyway, them are the issues I think will be the hardest thing. Now, Trump's only agenda issue is just trying to get the doggone people off his back with these bogus investigations. Back to you. And uh, last but not least on this, uh, Joe, uh, let's bring it over to yourself, and then we'll... Uh, a new forward. Go ahead. Okay. Well, what I think will be the uh, the biggest obstructions, uh, biggest obstruction, will be the um, the investigations by the Senate, by the House rather, by the Democrats, because in times 
hand is used if you depose somebody. From what I understand from what I heard somebody say on the radio a few days ago, that um, when you were deposed, you could only be deposed a certain amount of times. I think it was something around the number of seven. Now, when the House starts this, their investigations, they can depose you an unlimited amount of times. So they will continue to depose and depose and depose and depose. And in in the past, it was it was enough of an inconvenience as it was. But now, it it will create gridlock because if your people that you need in order to carry out your agenda, and in this case, Trump's agenda, are going to be busy, either inside a conference room or in court because of depositions. Well, it won't be in court, but it will be in a legal setting. They're not getting your job done. Uh, They're not getting your agenda done. They're not getting their jobs done. It will be gridlock. And if it's legal, then Trump can complain all he wants, but unless the people actually rise up and very forcibly show their support. And we need to, I think. I think it's going to come to that. Go ahead. You know, and yeah, and if we, we are going to have to tell our Congress people, we're not going to vote for you. Do what Trump wants. Otherwise, it may come to some sort of, if not civil war, certainly will be uprisings by certain people, either Trump supporters or people parading themselves as Trump supporters, when in fact they're Soros-funded imitators and imposters. So these depositions, all by themselves, will cause gridlock. And that's all you need, you know. And unless Trump actually maintains the popularity with his base, and if the base starts to fold, then the Democrats will win uh, the presidency next uh, next term, uh, in the next four, six years, and then they'll win the next midterms in the next two years. But I'm hoping that the Trump base is so strong to see through this, and I think they will, and they'll have enough gumption to get up, either visit your congressman, write your congressman, and let them know, we're not voting for you. That means the rhinos, no matter who you are. And I hope they say, we're bringing in libertarians. Because it it won't matter, uh, you know, <laughs> if we rise up against the Democrats, it won't matter. The Democratic base has to see through their shenanigans, and they have to rise up. Because otherwise, America's, um, America's headed for a new, a new place in history. And it is dystopia. And I'm done. And I tell you what, I think uh, you, you make a good point, and I think it may come to that, and I, I wish it would in, in part. Let me elaborate. Um, I think that we need, I think the conservatives need to take a, uh, a page of the, uh, of the playbook from, from Democrats and liberals. And I'm not saying get violent, okay, like they will, because the media just gets fitted to make it look like, oh, my God, it's just a bunch of white supremacists, right? Um, but really, they need to, you know, get put their signs together, march in the street, <clears throat> you know, because right now the, the, the media is putting – the way the media is acting, the media is putting it out there making a lot of people think that just everybody hates Trump. You know, oh, my gosh, no one likes Trump, right? Uh, because it's not visual. I mean, the goddamn media is, is just so visual. I, I think people need to take to the streets, 
tell them what they think about, you know, the Democrat Party and the liberals and the socialists and things of that nature. We need to, you know, they need to take, organize, uh, take to the streets. Now, of course, it's hard for conservatives because we're actually not collecting a government check. We're actually trying to work, you know, paying for the people who are on government checks who have the time to actually go out and do all these protests and rallies and things of that nature, you know, in the streets. And, but, you know, I think, you know, maybe take a Saturday or Sunday. Oh, my gosh. They went, you know, right after church or something. Go out there, you know, get groups of people. But unless we show a mass – unless conservatives go out and show a mass movement, then the Democrats and the, the liberals and, the, and, of course, the media are going to think that they're going to be able to, uh, as, uh, you know, our friend John likes to say, run roughshod <laughs> over the, uh, you know, the American people. And, you know, over the, the, the Trump administration, and they're going to try to make it look again that, oh, my gosh, everybody has Trump, you know, so it's okay to, you know, it's okay to get rid of them. I, I think it's going to take that um, uh, for, for people to get out in the streets. I really do. Conservative, you know, peacefully, you know, but to get out in the streets and in, and in masses, you know, because otherwise, you know, uh, you know, they're just, it's good. It's good they're, the media is going to make it look like, you know, everybody's against Trump. And now I got this, uh, Robert, this article here. Go ahead. Hey, Robert, let me ask you a question in regard to what you just said. The, the nor- in reflection to your circle of influence, how many of these people that you're referring to, conservatives or whatnot, are willing to risk their job in order to go in the streets? That's where the biggest deal is. Nobody's, got it, nobody's willing to risk that. They want somebody else to do it for them. I can answer that after you, Bob. Well, and that's part and parcel. I mean, they, they you know, yeah, one, you're, you're almost afraid to be visible out there. Um, case in point, um, as, you know, I, uh, I had some, some flags that are, uh, that are upside down at my work. Uh, you know, and you, you know what an upside down flag is. It's country and straight, and our nation's in distress. And that's how I feel. I feel that our nation is in distress. Now, I have a colleague that has, you know, pictures of Obama, you know, and this and that, you know, uh, pictures of Obama, you know, at his cubicle and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and I never say anything, and you know, but, uh, but I got these flags that are upside down, and I was, uh, I was asked, and I won't say by who, uh, but I was asked by someone to take, you know, to either flip them up, you know, flip them back up, make them... Upside down, so I'm gonna, you know, perturb some people. Um, and then, uh, do you think that do you think those people would be willing to come out and do what you suggested if we had a network that they could contact all of us and say, Hey, I'm getting ready to stand my ground, so they would know that we'd have their back, so that way, when they are getting ready to stand their ground, then we can stand beside them. Because right now, most people, the, the people you're talking about, the conservatives, I think they feel there's a lot of lip service going on, but they're, they're standing alone. They don't have any support if they do stand up. Well, and, 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 I, would, and I would have to agree. I mean, I think there, there are concerns. I mean, you know, you, you know that, that something like that you know, can happen. I mean, uh, luckily, I mean, and, and, you know, I... You know, I mean, I, you know what I did? I took them down. I'm like, well, if, I, if I'm not going to have my flags upside down, how I feel, you know, then I'm just going to take them down. And, it, you know, it's fine. I mean, I'm not, you know, complaining or anything. I didn't complain to them. I was like, well, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. I certainly don't want, you know, you're right. We don't want to ruffle feathers because we're afraid. And that's kind of the point. We don't want to ruffle the feathers, especially at work, 
because we don't want to lose our jobs because we're one we you know we got too much pro- we don't want to go on the, the government dole we want to stay gainfully uh, employed you know we don't want to do anything that's going to put our families in jeopardy you know but they, 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 those people i mean they don't care because the government gives them you know money if you think about it the government gives people just enough to get by not necessarily have a great life but there's plenty of people out there like you know what i i don't get to do much i don't get to travel i don't get to you know, have all, you know, some of these nice things that uh, those of us that work, you know, can have, but they don't care. I mean, they got their they, they got their essentials paid for, and they're able to have their TVs and their phones. They don't care. I mean, they're like, yeah, I'll sit on my ass all day, you know, get those government, you know, food and money, and, you know, housing and stuff like that. You know, well, I don't, I don't do. care, if, you know, living like living like this. I don't I don't have to get up every day and work. Here, let me, let me ask you this, Robert. If if there was people that was willing to stand up and risk everything their whole life, do you think there's enough people in, in the positions that are not willing to that would still be able to back them up in some form or fashion to justify? Because, I mean, the, the point that I'm trying to get across is that our posterity is sunk. Let me answer that. Our future that. generations are, are dead. I mean, they're zombies. They might be alive physically, but in the spirit of life and living and having any kind of form of happiness, they're not going to have it. And if and I'm willing to throw everything away and put my life on the line just like Jesus Christ did, even for you that don't even accept Jesus Christ, because humanity demands it, just like our founding fathers did. If our founding fathers would not have done that, we wouldn't even have been blessed to enjoy the benefits we have through our lifetime. Now we've got to stand on their shoulders and become them today, or it's gone. Back to you. Well, and people, you know, and, and people just aren't like that anymore. I mean, through the generations, people have you know, been weakened. And I hate to say it, men especially, you know, not to sound overly sexist, but I mean, I... I've seen someone say, you know, where are the John Waynes anymore? I mean, men aren't, there are no John Wayne men, or if there are, there are not men, very many of them anymore. Um, and that's been, I think that's been done by design. I mean, let me look at Nancy Pelosi. She thinks that she should, you know, be the Speaker of the House because she's a woman. You know, and all, oh, we, we got, you know, <clears throat> look at all these women this, look at all these women that. And I'm like, I'm looking all <laughs> around and I'm like, you know, women are going to be the, the, the law. I'm just kidding uh, when I'm saying this. Uh, so don't, I think with a grain of salt, she's that. Uh, I was thinking, man, women are going to be the downfall of the country. <laughs> As I say, I'm just kidding. I was, I'm halfway kidding. Or no, I'm just kidding, she's that. But, you know, I'm just talking about, you know, with these, these new liberal women that are now in the in the Congress. You know, and, and seriously, because I don't think they don't, you know, they don't, like Michelle Obama, they don't have any, I don't think they have national pride. They're globalists, you know, and... You know, and, the, and and let's be honest, women are more soft-hearted by nature, and I say by, by design, you know, to be that way. And, you know, and you've got all these, and they want us to all be soft, too. And well, that's just, you know, oh, we got to let everybody in, and we got to take care of all these people. we got to give them body and food. Oh, my God, that's what's best they the best to do. Um, you know, and then, you know, and then you got a what a Muslim person just got elected. I mean, you got these these four these, these four women who are liberal and socialist as hell. Uh, who, how how the hell does a you know in this day and age do socialists get you know? I I, I don't want to sound you know 
uh, anti-Muslim or anything, but how the hell do they get elected in this day and age, you know, when they're obviously not pro-American? You know, it's beyond me. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I didn't follow their campaign, so maybe I'm talking out of turn, but I, I don't know. I was just, I'm just kind of shocked at some of the people that are, that are getting elected, you know, that are getting elected mm-hmm. anymore. Look, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I, I'll get off my yeah. soapbox for you. Anyway, Suzanne wants to say something, then I want to come in. Go ahead, Thank you. Oh, I was just saying, because they give you free, free. And as far as people standing up, I posted two links in the chat room that show the walkaway movement and what they did in Washington uh, recently. And it was, it was, and when it wasn't really reported on, but it was incredible. Thousands of people that had walked away from the Democrat Party had marched that day. And, and yet people who are Republican also joined, some of them did, but as far we should have been there. There should have been more to support them for doing that. But, so anyway, that's all I have to say. Right. Okay, you know, and again, uh, you know, all the the links that you're sharing in the chat, I appreciate it. I'm posting them on uh, the Bard's Logic Fluke Talk page there. And if you haven't gone out there and you haven't liked the page yet on Facebook, get out there if you're a Facebook user and like my page, well, our page. I don't like you to say my my, but like the Bard's Logic Fluke Talk page on Facebook if you have not already. I, I you know, I, the one thing I know I, I lack thoroughly uh, with, you know, on the show, and, you know, I don't to do, you know, promote stuff. I really, really don't promote, you know, you know, doing this or doing that or promote my, my page or the website a lot or, you know, the, the fundraiser I'm still working on uh, with my daughter for Italy. So I don't promote this thing. I'm really bad at that, I guess. Um, it just, I guess maybe that's another part of my uh, conservative voice. I feel like I'm asking somebody for something, and that's one thing I hate to do. I'm, I'm, I might be um, maybe uber-independent where I don't like the you get any any help from anybody but of course that's because i grew i mean not against my parents i grew up without you know i grew up without money i mean i'm one of i'm one of seven kids which my parents you know sent all of us to believe this, believe this or not for those uh who just paid attention to what john said about uh me not being a believer uh but <clears throat> or about christ or whatever you said but um i i, I don't want to not or misquote you john uh, but, I mean, my parents sent all of us to, you know, Catholic high, grade school and high school. You know, you know, and you know, even back then, how much it was. Seven of us. Seven of us. Because you imagine, I didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot of money. I mean, I, I mean, I wore the hand-me-down. I don't know how I can have hand-me-down clothes when I was the first boy. But somehow they seemed like hand-me-down clothes. And we were, you know, we just didn't have, we didn't have a lot. And, um, and so one thing that sticks in my mind, and, and this is around Thanksgiving time, and actually there's not going to be a show next Wednesday, folks, because um, I am hosting um, a Thanksgiving dinner here at my house uh, on Thanksgiving. So I will be spending next Wednesday night uh, cooking a turkey and stuffing and, and making a homemade pie. And uh, so I'll be cooking uh, that night. So that, there'll be no show next week. Uh, Besides, let's be honest, how many people are going to be wanting to, 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 to talk and listen to a radio show the night before Thanksgiving? So, <laughs> so we, won't be do- we won't be doing a show next, uh, next week, and I hope everyone certainly enjoys your Thanksgiving. But one thing that sticks in my mind when I was young, because you know, my, 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 my family, my parents were Catholic, and I guess it got wind to somebody uh, at the church that, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, they have, you know, all these kids and blah, blah, blah. So what they did, thinking they'd be nice, right? You know, I mean, it's what these pe- the, the people do, and it, it's okay. But thinking they'd be nice, they have these people come to our house. 
with boxes and bags and boxes full of food, right? Like, oh, look, they got seven kids. Let's give them all this food for Thanksgiving. Let's surprise them, blah, blah, blah. And let me tell you something. I was eight at the time. I mean, eight, and this sticks in my head, right? I hated that. Actually, now I'm not going to say how many years ago. Let's say it's been decades ago. Now that's a decades ago, and that's one of the most prominent memories, literally prominent memories of my life as these people coming up the stairs at my house with boxes of food and giving giving us food. For one, I don't even think we asked for it. I don't know. I, mean, I didn't ever ask my parents if they did or not. But I, I've, I've seen those type of organizations that go where they're like, oh, let's do this and, you know, we know these people in the parish have all these you know, kids and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I hoarded it. I hated it. And that memory stuck with me till today. And I remember one time I was an intern in college, and I had a bad tooth. And one of the people there was like, you know, because you you, you're an intern, I didn't have health insurance. I didn't have dental insurance. And they offered to collect money so I could get this, this tooth worked on, you know, because, I mean, it was really bad. I mean, it was, I think it raised my blood pressure as much as the pain was. But anyway, I'm like, no, I, I can't do it. I cannot take someone else's money to, for that. I just can't do it. So when it comes to promoting anything, even if it's, you know, the, the donations or, or anything of that nature, you know, I, I'm so horrible at, at asking for anything because, I don't know, this, that one singular, I guess, thing where, you know, someone gave us food and I was a kid just total, totally screwed me up, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, so when it comes to promoting stuff, you know, I'd rather have other people promote things for me just because, I don't know, I, I hate asking anybody for anything, but, you know, Again, I know this is all a long story for just, hey, like my page, but still. But anyway, <laughs> I got an, an, uh, want to read, um, where is that article that, that, you, that you, go ahead. I thought you said um, I was going to go, I was going to go after Suzette. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I, I'll get off my soapbox. I did have another uh, article here, but let's go ahead and bring it to you. Okay, then. well, how and much, we'll, how uh, much we'll, time we'll, do we we'll have left? Oh, we've got, oh, we've got about, um, about a half an hour uh, before I have to. Probably about 20 minutes before I have to do closing uh, comments. So we got right. some time. All right. So okay, I can wait till you finish with the article, then I'll do my say. No, no, no. Go ahead. Article is going to be something separate, but well, kind of linked but separate. So go ahead. No, all right. Well, getting back to how do we, you know, protesting in the streets and everything. I don't think we even have to. Okay. All we really have to do, if, let's say, for example, if I were a millionaire, I would try to take over the Libertarian Party. And from there, I would contact other millionaires, not the ones from the Fortune 100 companies or the Fortune 500 companies, but the other millionaires who became rich or near rich, if they're not millionaires, by being entrepreneurs or working their way up the corporate ladder to let them know about Trump's agenda and to let them know that there are people out here who will support Trump and all we really need is for you to sign petitions and for other groups to let their members know that when it comes time for elections, just inform their, um, their groups, the members of their groups, as long as it's not illegal, go vote for Trump or go vote Libertarian. You don't have to go out. In this. I never thought protests in the streets did anything anyway. But when you do contact your, uh, your congressman, you have to let them know. Like, for example, my name is Joe. I'm part of this yada, yada, yada group. Um, thousands, tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, if not a million emails have already gotten to your email box. And we will not vote you in 
or your compatriots next election. A very simple, direct, not a threat, just a promise. And then if that particular politician knows of what I've done as the hopefully the, the leader of the Libertarian Party or a millionaire who is um, having people encouraged to sign petitions to let these politicians know what's going on, you don't need to protest in the street. You don't need to take time away from your job. Just get on your computer, click a few keystrokes, get it done. And then after that, um, uh, we were talking about... You know, how come Muslims were elected in this day and age? <laughs> because of propaganda. Because PC is trying to make everybody feel as though they are going to be xenophobic, Islamophobic, homophobic, racist, if you're not within the PC context. That's how they got elected. As a matter of fact, before these, not only one, but two Muslims got elected, there's a town, I think it's in Minnesota, that... Um, they're allowed to practice Sharia law because this particular town is like 98% Muslim. And this has been going on for a few years. So this is a new. And it's a sad trajectory. All right? That answers that. And then when it comes to... Dearborn, Michigan, isn't it? It may be. I don't know. I forget. I don't know. But when we're getting to, um, you know, talking about how we need more John Waynes. Well, the millennials may not be as much of a Rambo and a John Wayne as we used to be. But there's also another thing, too. Uh, when you say you're half kidding, Bob, about women you know, being the downfall of America, they're going to contribute to the downfall of America because all you really have to do is take a look at the gender studies, which has been circulating amongst the thousands of liberal universities in the United States since about the 1970s, if not the 70s, definitely the 80s. And I've read a couple of the studies. I've read a couple of the curriculums. They are implanting very, very forcefully into the minds of the of female students that men are the enemy. Men, they ruin your life. The patriarchy is what's con- uh, creating, continuing, perpetuating, and right. making sure that the glass ceiling is your enemy. Even though, since around the 1970s, fifth, well, certainly the last 20 years, 55% of the American population are women. 55% of managerial positions in America are held by women. But women... Like, we've been inculcated with, oh, no, we can't speak out because, as men, we can't speak out because, you know, we may be thought of as a racist. Women have this sense of entitlement plus the Cinderella complex. So their feeling is, as evidenced by the Kavanaugh trial, that women think that, my God, so who cares if this man is being accused of um, horrific acts without any evidence and not only were right. evidence is supposedly presented by the one who's the accuser, Miss Little uh, Mealy Mouth, I, I don't remember everything. I just know he did it. And here's this guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's this guy being accused, and women say, we don't care if he's accused. I believe a woman. Why? She's a female. She's a woman. When you have that kind of attitude, where's the justice system? Okay, so even though you may have been half kidding, I be I believe 
because of the liberal universities, women are being trained to hate men, rise up against men, especially if they don't do what the, uh, what the women want. All of a sudden, what can they do? On Monday, they are, I am woman, hear me roar. But on Tuesday, I'm a victim. Why did you do that? I guess poor little me. Socially acceptable to be schizophrenic. So we have to watch out for that, too. All right? So I just wanted to address those three issues before the time ran out. So if you want to get to your article, I hope I gave you enough time. Oh, yeah, there's plenty. And on that, yeah, I mean, I, I just ain't kind of half jig. I mean, I actually, I've had both, uh, you know, I've, I've actually has been a manager or supervisory position most of my career. I'm not now, but um, I was. And, I mean, and, but when I didn't, you know, when I did have supervisors and I wasn't one of them, um, I would say most of them were, were female. And I actually, in, in some ways, preferred to have, a, you know, a female uh, a supervisor. Because most of the ones I've had, there was a couple uh, there, there were a couple who uh, I didn't get along with, but I would say the 80% of them I, I, I did. I'd say there's a couple I did not. Um, but you know, my thing is it's more it's more so, and I, I, I get and that's what I mean. The liberal ones, you know, this, uh, that that you're talking about is the ones who are like look, they're, they're going to be the downfall. Because you're right. Uh, they, I mean, it is a let, we hate men mentality, and and they don't want men to be men. They want men to be. You know, I don't know what they want them to be, but, uh, but they don't. They don't. They don't. They certainly don't want them to be. The liberal women don't want us to be men. Yeah. Well, no, they don't because the men will say to a woman, "Look, you're a woman. Woman up. All right. If you want to be treated like a lady, act like a lady. You don't get you it go. simply because you were born with a uterus." Thank you. Well, and I'm then right. the other one, oh. they're not. They're not. They're Correct. not uh, women. They're Trump ha- They're men haters. They're not even feminists. They're they're men haters. They're men haters. You know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> for me, that's that's the, you know, I'm, I'm a traditionalist, and I'm secure in who I am and and what you know what I believe in, and so I don't need to be a feminist and I don't need to hate men, and you know I cook dinner for my husband. I make breakfast before he goes to work. I go to work. You know I clean the house. He takes care of outside. We have traditional roles. Because that's just what it is. <laughs> I you know, I don't lift everything. He does it for me, and and then I do things for him as well. Men and women have separate roles, and they should be. Well, I hope you I hope you're on the show where I'm at because I don't even believe in that. I believe that <laughs> I don't. I don't believe that there should be a, such a thing as men having roles and women having roles. If I came across a woman who was taller than me, had a higher IQ than I did, had uh, earned more money than I did, and if she wanted to be the, uh, the assertive one in the relationship, I wouldn't mind. If she wanted to take me out a few times, I would show my appreciation, and I would be fine. But it's the women who don't want to have that kind of uh, life. It's the women who are just, they say, you know, traditionalism, you know, feminist, etc., because the women want the guy who is taller, stronger, uh, more powerful, even when they are elite women. There have not only been studies, but there have been magazine articles about this, where the women will choose a man because of the same reasons that they, uh, women chose men back in the 50s and even prior to the 50s, back during Neanderthal times. 
No. So I'm not a traditionalist. I'm not, I, and I think that romance ruins relationships because that puts you in those roles where you're trying to find the square peg to fit the round hole. The women, you know, I don't and mind. And again, the, we are in Bard's logic after dark, but <laughs> go, oh. go ahead. Well, you, oh, do you have anything to say? Oh, let me, all right, look. Men and women should, should try to get together based on very, very simple premises. If you treat me right, I will treat you right. Okay, you don't have to be John Wayne in order for me uh, to uh, care about you, love you, respect you, etc. And you don't have to be Marilyn Monroe for me to care about you, etc. All you have mm-hmm. to do is be reasonably intelligent, reasonably good-looking, make sure that um, I can trust you, and so those are the standards that men have. You know, just be reasonably intelligent, reasonably good-looking. Be on my side when it's the right time to be on my side. You don't have to always be on my side when I'm wrong. You know, a lot of men would like that too. You know, but support me when I need your support. And if I ever show a chink in my armor because, let's say, a family member died or I lost my job and I'm feeling down, don't think badly of me simply because I've <laughs> I've fallen down from your pedestal. You shouldn't have put me on your paper mache pedestal to begin with. I'm a man, mm-hmm. not not a god. And you're a woman. You're not a lady. Ladies belong to those who were born uh, to the manor. They belong to gentlemen. Act like a woman. Don't act like, yes, I'm a woman today, and I can join the army. But I'm a sweet little porcelain thing today to tomorrow because, you know, I just can't lift that, and I can't do that. Can you help me? And then on Wednesday, no, I don't want you to help me. I'm a, I'm a woman Nah, you can't have it two ways, you can't have it three ways. Act like a woman, I'll act like a man. You treat me right, I treat you right, plain and simple. Don't impose upon me your fantasies of what you want in a hero or in, or what you've seen from uh, the celluloid screen. You know? That's all I got to say. And, and that actually went off to a little bit of a tangent, but that's okay. With that happens uh, here, and that's the organic material of the show. But here's, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, and I'd say that, uh, well, talk about haters. But let's go ahead, and uh, this is from the American Spectator. This is an article yesterday. That they couldn't care less that they're now official. Uh, they couldn't care less that they're now officially what they claim to see in Donald Trump. For two years, the Democratic Party has insisted that the American people must follow their lead and resist Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump at all costs. The left has argued that Trump is unlike any leader that we have ever had in American history. According to the DNC, Trump's presidency is more than just an inconvenience to their partisan agenda. Instead, it's a threat to America's sacred democratic institutions. You see, Trump is Hitler in their eyes, never mind that the left has insinuated every Republican president was Hitler, going back to at least Richard and Nixon. According, and remember, they used to say that about Bush all the time. Uh, but according to the left, Trump is the embodiment, embodiment of neo-fascism who seeks to tear down our grand illegalitarian society and replace it with a stilted culture of personality. What evidence does the left pro-offer in defense of these outlandish claims? They say that Trump loves autocrats, like Trump's, uh, like Russia's Vladimir Putin or North Korea's Kim Jong-un. Of course, the evidence proves the contrary. Trump has been tougher on Russia than his predecessor, and Trump threatened nuclear war against Kim Jong-un. 
which prompted the young North Korean dictator to, however, briefly come to his senses and seek a peaceful accommodation to the left. The left argues that Trump is out to kill NATO. In actuality, though, Trump's tough love towards NATO has uh, been exactly that. His actions have uh, sent a much-needed jolt to the otherwise fraying alliance. Because of him, NATO members are starting to fully pitch in ways they have not done since the heady days of the cold world. Back in the United States, the left decries the hated orange man in the White House as an autocrat in waiting by using his firing of a cadre of senior FBI and DOJ officials as proof positive that Trump is both a Russian agent of influence as well as a usurper to the American democratic heritage. They believe that Trump is eviscerating the hollowed independence of the Department of Justice because he's seeking to prevent the, quote, truth of his duplicity in the 2016 election from getting out. All of this, of course, is easily proven to be false. Never mind that the DOJ is not an independent branch of the government. It's part of the executive branch with the president leads. In fact, Trump has spent the last two years having the legitimacy of his unprecedented election to the presidency challenged by unelected and unaccountable members of the U.S. intelligence community, all of whom have partisan access to grind against Trump. The president fired FBI Director James Comey. He helped remove senior FBI officials like Andrew McCabe, Peter Stroke, and Lisa Page. Trump revoked the security clearances of former officials like John Brennan, not because he was hiding something from the world. Rather, Trump took these actions as a means of self-defense against former Obama officials masquerading as unbiased intelligent officers. Uh, the fact is the intelligence community, like the rest of the federal government, was weaponized by former President Barack Obama and used to punish political enemies of the Democratic Party. From there, the left whines about the eradication of the First Amendment in the form of President Trump's attack on the press. Yet this is hardly unprecedented in the history of presidential relations with the press. The election of 1800 is a great example. Further, the major network news networks are employing a disappropriate amount of former senior Democratic Party operatives and policy wumps as, quote, objective news reporters and analysts. Uh, lastly, we have been told since 2016 that Trump disrespected America's tradition of free and fair elections, although it has been the left who has so categorically rejected the results of free and fair elections, 2016, that they're now desperately struggling to steal critical elections in Florida and Arizona. The most hallowed institutions in the country, the electoral system, is flagrantly being violated by leftist partisans who simply fail to accept that they have lost the 2018 midterms in both Florida and Arizona. So which is the party that fundamentally hates the American, the United States again? Because it sounds like it's the Democrats who really hate America and you. And I say what, I read that and I'm like, oh yeah. Um, there's you know, a lot of comments on that article. Um, and uh uh, I, I think did you send that? Did, you may have said that to me, uh, Suzette. Did you get? Uh, did you read through all of that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this, this article's got to be read out loud because <laughs> he covered everything. <laughs> everything, everything. Yeah, I mean, and, and I always say, you know. 
Go ahead. Which, which I'll flip real quick. Uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that those people that he did fire, they should have been charged with treason because they were acting against a sitting president with their shenanigans. But that was all. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I think that, um, you know, just like the media, you know, during the 2016 elections and the general elections, not, not much the, um, you know, not, not much the, the primaries. Because in the primaries, CNN was actually palatable—not palatable, but at least you can, you know, you could take it. <laughs> I could watch CNN. You know, they weren't that bad. Um, but God, once the general election hit, they were completely awful. And with 2016 is wrong, you know, really to the fore. I mean, it's been—it's been slow coming, but boy, once Trump got in, just—which I don't understand—they, they, the media used to love Trump, but anyway, until he became a Republican. Uh, and Trill, let's be honest, he's really not a true Republican. But anyway, uh, which is ironic because it took over, you know, him to, at least during the Kavanaugh uh, hearings, the United Republican Party. But anyway, it, the media showed its true stripes because, you know, they felt like they had the power to do so. And I think they really started that during the Obama administration uh, because they thought, you know, Obama's on our side. We can, you know, praise him and glorify him and, you know, give him all these, you know, softball questions and stuff like that. You know, because he was he was in their corner, but now you know they started to, they started to, uh, you know find their true colors then, and then now with Trump got it in it, they 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 got their own self sense I think of self importance and think okay well we can say whatever you want because the people think we're right because they, they got that false sense back in the Obama years, and, and but now and I think it's going to happen to the Democrat Party. I mean they're already you know. In the Kavanaugh hearing, showed who they really are. But now that they have power again in the House during a, pre, uh, a Trump presidency, I think their their true colors are even going to come out even more. And now with the election of a lot of these, you know, young socialist, you know, Democrats, you know, who, who may even who may even be more socialist than Bernie Sanders, you know, if you can imagine that, then I think it's really going to. But and to think that the Democratic Party. Is going to be able to move to the center. I, I know you mentioned that, you know, a lot earlier, I believe, uh, tonight. Uh, I, I just don't see that happen. I mean, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, I remember the no. night of the election when I stayed up late to, to watch as much as I could. Um, and Nancy Pelosi gave her speech at about 1 a.m. on, oh, we're going to find ways to work with the president and find things so we can be bipartisan. And the whole time, I'm like, you know what? This looks good, but we all know it's bullshit, and you're lying. Yeah. You know, there's no way the, oh, yeah. that's not going to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And if you do remember, it was CNN and MSNBC that were making fun of Trump as far as he's not really running. And if he's running his whole candidacy, is a joke. He's a clown. You know, they started back then, but then they intensified um, through their after general. But in the primary, yeah, they were doubting that he was going to, to uh, follow through. Uh, with his candidacy. Yeah, I mean they they weren't too bad. Yeah, they weren't too bad. They were laughing it off like, yeah, right. There's no way he's going to win until we actually defeated 19, you know, 19 other candidates. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know, to win, it's like, and then they're like, oh shit, we were wrong. We got Edgar Fink. We, you know what? They're they're still pissed off that Trump made them look stupid. You know, because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, there's no way. Oh, it's such a joke. And then it's like, oh crap. And then they're pissed off because the American people didn't listen to them. They tried everything that they could, you know, to try to get, you know, mm-hmm. 
Hillary Clinton elected, and the people are like, you know what, gave us gave them the collective finger, which they duly deserve. Um, and now, and, and now, and now they're pissed off, so they don't mind lying to the American people. You know, they don't. You know, and when Trump says that these guys, that the media is the enemy of the people, you know what? He, he's damn right they are. I feel the same way. The mainstream media mm-hmm. are the enemy because I'm telling you, they are the people who I think some of them you could downright charge with sedition. Mhm. Definitely. Definitely. And then this stupid file, this lawsuit filed against the White House for um, suspending Jim Acosta. How ridiculous is that? <laughs> we, we oh, about well, that when you got people like Judge Napolitano, I tell you, he, he, he talks on a, on a local radio station on every Wednesday morning at 830, uh, Judge Napolitano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Supposedly a conservative judge, right? Or he's not a judge anymore. I think he's mm-hmm. even just a commentator. He's been on Fox News and a contributor sometimes. And you know what that dumbass said? And since we're in Bar Project After Dark, I can say dumbass. Actually, I can say it any time. I just like seeing it during the last hour. We dubbed it Bard's Logic After Dark. But you know what that dumbass said? Well, I think you're, I mean, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, because I didn't get the quote, and I should have. But that dumbass was like, oh, yeah, it would be a good thing that the, you know, or whenever his voice sounds like whatever the, I don't, I don't like him. I just don't like him. And he's like, oh, it would be a good thing. Um, this one, Brian Thomas's show on 700 uh, WLW on uh, the local station here in Cincinnati. You know, mm-hmm. but he, uh, oh, I think it'd be a good thing if the Democrats took the House to balance out. I think this guy's a Trump hater. I really do. So balance out Donald mm-hmm. Trump, you know, and but I'm like, are you freaking serious? You freaking idiot. I wanted to call in, but I was on my way to work. And since, you know, what well, we conservatives don't want to get in trouble for work, I wasn't going to take time off. But, you know, but anyway, <clears throat> you know, and I'm like, are you yeah. serious? It's going to be a good thing. What good thing can come? Of the Democrats taking the House of Representatives, I don't see anything good except maybe they might, you know, even more so concrete, you know, Trump being in office in 2020, unless the Republicans turn on him, which they possibly could, and he ends up getting, uh, you know, somehow getting impeached, you know, you know, impeached at that time, you know, time will, mm-hmm. you know, time will tell. But um, I, I don't, I don't see anything good. I mean. I don't. I don't see any anything good. And people are like, oh, well, this just proves that the system works. No, it proves. You see, I'm getting on my soapbox again. Can you hear it coming? Building. You know, it proves that, like what we said last, what I said last last week, is you know what, the, the country's bipolar. I mean, come on, you vote in a you know a president like Donald Trump, and then you get the house back over to the the thing, and and, not, and that's not just this year. The, the America, politically, in my opinion, has been bipolar for the last forty plus years. I mean, this all oh, the pendulum swing, the pendulum swing, and all oh, the separation of powers. It's the dumbest ass thing that I've ever heard of. You know, because why do you think we never get anything resolved in this country? Why do you think we're still since Reagan, on before then, talking about illegal immigration? Why are we still talking about the debt? Why are we still talking about you know, uh, you know, the wall and healthcare and all this other stuff? Like we've been talking about this shit for decades. And we never get it resolved. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you never have one party. And I believe, and I believe in, you know, here's the thing. I believe in multiple parties. I wish we had a multi-party system like Ireland because they actually have to work together to get stuff done for the mm-hmm. people. But these guys don't. you got two parties that, I mean, that, that's all it is, obstruction, 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 you know, depending on who's in power. So no wonder nothing ever freaking gets done. I mean, I, you know, how many years has it been, you know, since we've been back to the moon? 
we could have already well on our way, you know, to Mars instead of waiting another, you know, who knows how many years, 30 years before we get there or whatever. I mean, it's, it's absolutely freaking ridiculous because all we do is fucking argue. Oops, I'll let that one slip. Um, you know, oh, all we do is argue all the time, you know, you know, and, and back and forth. But anyway, I, I just think this pendulum swing thing is just a dumb idea. But go ahead, Jay. Sounds like you want to turn it's in on that. not the reason. You're still being too benign, too kind towards Congress. Look, <clears throat> there have been people in Congress for 10, 20 years, right? Right. Don't you think are, yeah. Right. Don't you think that people, if they actually had America's um, agenda in their heart, if they really had the people's heart as their agenda, don't you think that even if they passed legislation one time, two times, three times, that were against the principles of the Constitution, don't you think that as a body of elected representatives that they would think that somehow something was wrong and they would try to correct it? In other words, if you had... If you were in an organization, you yourself, and you had 400 people who thought like you, don't you think that if you saw that the organization was heading astray, heading towards the iceberg like the Titanic, don't you think that the other members who voted to steer your organization towards that Titanic, don't you think that there would be some kind of coming of the minds of compromises in order to make sure that the ship of state would stay afloat? Yes, but then okay. that would mean that there wouldn't be except money from special interests and things there like that. There you go. So that they are not just being, well, they are criminally negligent, but they're not just being <laughs> stupid. They are doing it because they don't care. They are treasonous. They are scum. They have committed treason. They have gone against the, Const- <laughs> the Constitution a number of times, and they will sell America down the river. It's not because, well... Okay, that's a different party, and I don't like that party's agenda. Therefore, because I'm of this party, I should obstruct. That's making it just seem like they're stupid and somewhat benign. They don't care. It's like it's like Jesse Ventura said. It's political theater. In front of the people, they will act as though they're enemies. But once mm-hmm. the once the the match is over, okay, just like he's given the analogy. Well, not the analogy, but he gave the comparison to real life wrestling as to how, um, you know, wrestlers who hate each other, after two minutes, you know, they finish up the match in time for the commercial, and then after the match, they go out and have a beer because it's mm-hmm. all pre-planned. It's, that's, they're scum. That's the reason. Well, and, and, Kelly, said, and Kelly says, as his final statement for the night, uh, to the left, Donald is an inconvenient Trump. <laughs> yeah, instead of being convenient truth. Uh, <laughs> I okay, once yeah, we get it into our heads that these people are corrupt down to the core, then we can see them for who they are and then act accordingly. But if we keep thinking that there are elected representatives, we're still, you know, we're looking up to the foxes who are guarding the hen house and thinking that the foxes won't eat us. Is that. What? What? <laughs> Right? I mean, what are we well, saying? Yeah, and, and, and Kelly adds in that's also to the establishment, which is, you know, who we're talking about mainly, um, which, of course, they number. And that, that's one of the, the big hopes I had for Trump. It's, it was a huge hope because, we, you know, it's too in, uh, the, 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 uh, the cesspool. I don't even like to use the, the, the word swamp. 
Arkansas is because, you know, swamp even has some ecological value to it. You know, uh, you know, our federal government is, is become a cesspool is what it's become. And, you know, when Trump talks about, I'll drain the swamp, uh, I'm, I'm really disappointed because, I mean, just by some of the people he surrounded himself with, but, you know, but I think that, you know, there was some naivete by him on who he can trust. And I think it's all panned out, you know, and hopefully he's still, you know, I'm sure he's still learning on who he can and can't trust there. But, you know, I think in the beginning, so he's really put a lot of people in there that he couldn't, but I am looking at the mm-hmm. time and unfortunately uh, I only got like one minute left for each person uh, if that, to do closing comments for tonight. We do appreciate everyone, uh, again, for coming to the show, contributing it. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, if you got the link, uh, certainly uh, share it out to people so they can uh, listen to all the great points that everybody here has to make uh, as well, and they can, uh, you know, share out the show. That's always uh, nice to have. So I'd really appreciate that. And also, of course, uh, next Wednesday we will not be having a show due to the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, but I do uh, appreciate people coming back, and we'll be we'll be back here the week after that. Uh, but if I don't get a chance to talk to you, a lot of you folks uh, before then, I hope you have a, a very happy uh, Thanksgiving and, and able to spend uh, you know good time with uh, your family uh, there and, and celebrating that. Um, so, but let's go ahead and you know each person got maybe maybe a minute, maybe you know well actually less now, but about uh, 45 seconds with closing comments. And unfortunately. I'm going to have to close things out for the night. Uh, go ahead. Uh, we'll, we'll go down the line. We'll go to Kavika, then Suzette, then John, then Joe, and then I'll close things out. Go ahead, Kavika. Uh, thank you for having me on the show tonight. I heard some great uh, uh, great opinions and, you know, a lot of truth. It's going to be a kid next few years. But you know what? I blame, I blame uh, Paul Ryan. I blame Jeff Sessions. He recused himself, and, yeah, he was our attorney governor, our attorney uh general trump should have fired him i blame the establishment and i blame the base they should have branched out but it's going to be a chaotic two years that's all i'd say yeah no i agree it's pretty much everything you said there can be good i uh i'll I'll elaborate that on some time and probably a lot during the next two years uh uh go ahead um go ahead suzette I don't know if it's going to require convention of the states or how exactly we're going to drain that swamp and our institutions um, FBI, CIA, and NSA. But we need to consider something, some type of constitutional tool that can do that. We need to get back to a time when elected officials were chosen by the people. They were people that didn't want to serve because they had their own business and whatever, but they did it. And so they went to Congress and they went to D.C. for the will of the people to serve, and then they went home. And I would like to see that again. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving, blessed Thanksgiving, and thank you, Robert. Thank you. Thank you. And then, uh, John? Yeah, I think we need a network, all all for one, one for all, to cover each other's back so that way when you do stand, because I know many, many of us have used to, you know, call your congressman and tell them this and that, and, you know, you try to vote them out, but apparently the word doesn't get out to enough people, so they get voted back in anyway. So it's just getting frustrated. So figure out how to come together and unify with a network, one for all, all for one. Come back next week, and and First Lady Melania Trump, give Donald Trump a big thank you kiss. Thank you, Donald Trump. Thank you, President Trump. Have a happy Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving to you, Rob. I will be back later before Christmas, So thank you very much. Uh, uh, John, go ahead, Joe. 
everybody just be careful, all right? I, uh, that's my 45 seconds. <laughs> well, there you go. And I'll uh, use it the rest of the time uh, for, I guess, uh, a few closing comments myself, and then I'll have to uh, close out the show. Um, is that – come on, computer. My computer just shut, <laughs> shut down. I'm like, no, you can't do that. Um, uh, but with uh, – I apologize for that. Uh, that's uh, what did we call NSA Bob. But anyway, you know, remember back in 1938, it was around Christmas time last year, since we'll be entering that season soon, um, and we'll be in that season before we talk again, is that, you know, the movie, of course, everyone here's heard of it, and that's, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, right? Or, and even back then, I think that movie was made in 1938. 1938, okay? Uh, that movie was made, I believe, um, and they're talking about government corruption and how things work then. So this is stuff that's been going along, going around for a, a long time, and you know that's why it's going to. Uh, even though an uphill battle, it's not an impossible battle for Trump, uh, at least in these two years, to uh, drain the swamp. And the swamp, or not swamp, the cesspool. But he said swamp, but <laughs> the cesspool, and it certainly does need to be drained. Um, and of course, the, the, it's going to be even tougher with these next two years. Uh, coming out, the, the politicians, the establishment, they're all against. They're all against Trump. And what I think we're also going to see next year is we're going to see the, uh, even disunity again in, in the Republican Party, and the Never Trumpers are going to come out of the woodwork again next year too. So that's something that we're also going to have to battle with. We're going to have to find a way uh, to combat that too, or the Trump's nationalist populist agenda will not be realized at least for the next two years and maybe even beyond if they are successful in uh, getting him impeached. And who knows, maybe they'll go after the Pence at the same time. Could you imagine uh, President Nancy Pelosi? Uh, but I will uh, end tonight as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Thanks again, folks. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Take care. As uh, Joe said, be safe. And we'll see you next time. Good night. Mm-hmm.